Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Iran. The food and drugs are both defined in terms of man or other animals, meaning Recorded they deem the people to be animals. Not men and women made in God's image. And what's interesting about this, 1935 Nuremberg Laws in Germany. They passed laws that declared the Jews to be untermenschen. Unter meaning under and mensch meaning man, subhuman. They declared them to be animals. Once you are reduced to the status of animals, you can be executed. There's nothing wrong with concentration camps. There's nothing wrong with genocide. It all works just fine so long as you're an animal. This is a big story, and it's one that I have been singularly unsuccessful at explaining and promoting and making people understand the significance. But this is our acts of genocide. You can go to an outfit called genocidewatch.org. Might be .net, but I think it's .org. But Genocide Watch. They've got a document up there that's called the eight stages of genocide, and the third stage they call it dehumanization. And they specifically say that if you call another group, if you call them insects, vermin, or animals, it's one of the eight stages of genocide, the way the American law reads on genocide, is only government can charge it. And as it turns out, government's the only one who's committing it. And they're the only ones who can charge it legally. But it's not necessary that you kill someone to commit an act of genocide. All you have to do to commit genocide is create circumstances. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family.
Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Melody Cedarstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival. I'm here with my co-host, Alfred Adisk, to bring you our opinion and commentary on today's economic and political events for Friday, May 22nd, 2015. Good afternoon, Al. Hello, Melody. Hello, Al. Yeah? What a day it has been. And uh, we had a I don't know, I just got a phone call right before the show, right before we connected, so it kind of got me a little... Discombobulated? A little, a little bit, a little mm-hmm. bit. But um, let's get started right away by looking at the precious metals today. They're actually making somewhat of a comeback. Uh, we had a low at 12.01, still down a buck thirty at 12.06.50. Now, it's not a huge comeback, but hey... The USDX today was up uh, another had another big day, and uh, so a buck thirty down for gold. I'll take it. Silver down seven cents. Another comeback. Had a low of sixteen eighty five. Currently seventeen sixteen. Platinum down nine at eleven fifty. Palladium up two at seven eighty six. And as I had mentioned, the USDX point eight nine to the upside ninety six twenty four. And I was looking at some of my numbers a week ago. The dollar was 93.23, a huge move uh, for the index, for the dollar. And we're looking at, what, a 16 17 $18 difference in gold. So uh, gold is holding up uh, at these levels. So we'll see what a three-day weekend does for gold. But crude oil today was down 86 at 59.86. And, of course, gasoline prices have moved up. They're still off the from the highs of last year, but uh, certainly off the lows that people have enjoyed going into this holiday. So they are paying more for their gasoline on their three-day weekend. And the paper markets today, you know, there wasn't going to be a lot of action going on today. As I was mentioning to you earlier, Al, it's no longer a three-day weekend for, for our summer uh, holidays. It's four days. People just don't work anymore <laughs> on a Friday going into a three-day weekend, trying to get anything done, trying to get a hold of people, trying to talk to people. They're just gone. And uh, so business, uh, but again, it's just another sign. You know, gimme, 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 but I don't want to work, work, work. And uh, the Dow was down 53 points today at 18,232. Um. A week ago it was eighteen two seventy two, so you know just lost uh, you know most of that today. The Nasdaq was down a point five thousand eighty nine. S P down four twenty one twenty six. Ten year yield up two point two two. Euro dropped once again almost another full point one point one zero percent, and or I should say one point one zero on the euro. And uh, Fed Chairman Janet Yellen today, she says delayed action would risk overheating the economy. I don't think you can do anything. Overheating the economy? (laughs) The Federal Reserve won't wait too long to raise rates because the delay action would overheat the economy. Of course, she did a speech today from uh, Rhode Island, and uh, Yellen said that the Fed will likely raise its key interest rates this year for the first time in almost a decade. It was a sign of confidence from the Fed chair, who many economists consider to be very cautious, 
And of course, today would be the day to make that type of, you know, as I mentioned, nobody works on Friday going into a three-day weekend. So, you know, the markets didn't have a chance to react. If the economy continues to improve as she expects, she thinks it will be appropriate at some point this time to take the initial step to raise yeah, but, the You know, when she talks about what she expects, uh, and what she happened. said on, on at least two occasions, and probably more than that, that her actions in the future will be controlled by the data. Incoming data will depend, depending on what the data is that's coming in on the economy, she will work to move the economy up or move it down or move it sideways. Now, what that means is she doesn't have a consistent, coherent plan, program, theory that says, well, this is what's, this is what's going to happen. This is where we are. This is how we're going to act. She is reacting, reacting, reacting. She's not working in a positive, proactive way. She is reacting to whatever the data comes in. If it says up, fine, she works one way. If it says down, she goes another way, which is simply evidence that she's really not in control. And there's more than a few people that understand this, and there's articles that express this idea. This is an opinion that's Anywhere, anything like unique to myself, but exactly. It, you know, if nobody again, it's like it's like being on a sh on the Titanic, and finding out nobody's at the helm. The ship is moving; it's going through the icebergs. We haven't cracked up yet. Maybe we won't. But on the other hand, if an iceberg is full ahead and somebody says, "Hey, look out!" There's nobody there to really steer and anticipate what's going on here. They're just, just reacting. And uh, and it's also kind of comical to me that for the last two years, they've blamed a faulty first quarter on having a cold winter, which is, which is what usually happens. It gets cold uh. in winter. And I'm thinking maybe they should just let the economy overheat and it will melt us through the next winter when they have their next excuse for why we don't have a good first quarter. Perhaps. And you know what? It is so true. Uh, I mean, even if you use government's data, if you use their government, it shows that the, the economy is not doing well, regardless of whether it's cold weather during the first quarter of the year. You still have wages that aren't going anywhere. You, you have jobs that are job losses that are beginning to, to pick up. Uh, uh, the job gains have weakened in, in 2015. And yet, how can they say that, uh, you know, perhaps by, what's going to happen between now and September to where she would think that they might raise rates later in the year. What is going to happen to change all of those negative numbers that they've had for the first, uh, you know, six months of the year? Change that information and that judgment. And she even says, hey, in my judgment, we are not there yet. Well, <laughs> you know, it's a stupid, it's ridiculous, it's so easy to see through there isn't anything that they can do, and yet they continue to stumble along their way. And I guess I she speaks what the markets want to hear, you know, I suppose. I don't. She's, pre she's preparing the markets. They're desensitizing the markets so that if they ever do, whether it be by default, whether it be why, you know, the rates just, you know, they have to raise them by default or, default or whatever, uh, the markets won't get hit at first. But everybody believes there's going to be a major meltdown anyway this year. So um, at least that would give them an excuse not 
to have to raise rates because well, once, the question, once they raise rates, they, they can't. Raise they can't. So are they going to raise rates? They can make a they gesture can. and they can raise it a fraction of a percent. Exactly. All right. And it doesn't count for anything other than a no, gesture and say, well, we told you we we're going to raise rates and we did raise rates. The same thing they did with They're the quantitative They're going to raise rates easing. by 2%. Now we're talking. Well, they now we got something going on here. If they're going to raise rates by a quarter of a percent, it's no big deal. Well, that's how they'll raise them. They'll do them at a quarter a point at a time. You know, they're not going to raise them at two percent at a time. But then again, this is the same way they did the quantitative easing. We heard for a year and a half. Oh, we're going to taper. It's going to start this month, next quarter. You know, a year and a half later, the markets have all absorbed any any volatility that might have been created from the tapering of quantitative easing and you know then they begin and uh, hey nobody cares anymore and you know they got funds being funneled in from somewhere else so you know you know maybe another country like Europe or you know Japan decides to put in another trillion dollars or more into their bond markets and shuffle the money around from country to country and voila we've created a we continue to control the illusion so thank you very much for the moment for the moment. Yeah. And one other thing, you know, you mentioned that the the euro moved significantly. I think you were I think that's what you were talking about in the in the beginning of the program. Was, Am I right? It was down. Yeah. Which perhaps explains why the dollar went up as 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 high as much as it did in the US dollar index. Again, we got the dollar on one end of the teeter-totter and other six other currencies, including well, yeah, the euro on the other end. When they go up, we go down. When they go down, we go up. Um, which is interesting from the perspective that we don't really control the value of the dollar anymore. No, the traders do. I understand. The worldwide forex foreign does. nations are making a bigger difference forex. in the U.S. dollar index than, I don't know, the Federal Reserve may not have significant influence there. I don't doubt that they have some, but we are at least habitually, the government, one way or another, set the value of the, the dollar, at least we believe that. Now it's becoming increasingly apparent that the value of the dollar, at least as measured on the U.S. dollar index, reflects what's going on overseas more so than what's going on in Washington, D.C. This is another reason why the Federal Reserve may be losing control. I'm not going to say it's a primary reason, but in terms of being unable to actually adjust what's going on in the economy, if they can't control whether the dollar is going into inflation or deflation, they simply holding, I don't know that they, they can. can control it. They're just working with other countries. They're working. I don't think they can zone. control it to the extent they could in the past. I don't doubt they can still exert influence, but I don't think they have the same level of control that they had. And from my perspective, you know, maybe that's right and maybe that's wrong, but it's consistent with the idea that no one is at the helm of the ship. All right, it's not real. Nobody's really in control right now. This thing is just bouncing around in a random manner. There's an article. Go ahead. Which one are you going to talk about? Because I, I just want. I, I read something today. This was a, an AP interview, and it was a hundred billion dollar Saudi mega city. Now it's they're building this city. It's a hundred billion dollar city from scratch in Saudi Arabia. Is to be completed by 2035. Yeah, that's a long time away. Well, let me finish. 
but it's going to serve as the main logistics and manufacturing hub for countries on the Red Sea, uh, the world's largest new emerging market. The business model of an entire city that's being built by the private sector is so unusual that it required adjustments in the beginning in which they've got those from, you know, the, the, the king and, you know, everyone that needs to be done, um, you know, for their little sector over there. But what I think is interesting about this, here they're building a whole city for manufacturing. They're pulling away from oil. They're going into a different direction. And um, so they, they want the city to become the main manufacturing and logistics hub for the Red Sea region and one of the world's top 10 ports. 23% of global trade goes through the Red Sea, which I, I didn't really, 23% is a quarter percent. And countries bordering have seen high growth rates, making the area perhaps the largest new emerging market. So, you know, I just found that interesting. It's a huge uh, project. Uh, he says the target for 2020, and really, these people, the elite, the Illuminati, whatever you want to call them, they plan years and years in advance. Absolutely. They have patience. They are it's, investors. They're not speculators. They are fundamentally investors, and they're, you know, they're not they in, take a long view. They're investing in their culture. They're investing in their country for years and years and years to come. I don't think they're in, you know, so it's, it's and he said he targets the 2020 is 50,000 residents and 28,000 jobs with 25% of the city or 45 million square meters to develop by 2020. Uh, the complete completion date is uh, 2035, uh, but they also call that as an ambitious deadline. So, I don't know. I thought it was uh, interesting. They're going to have high-speed trains to their holy cities. Um, you, you're going to have... Um, uh, it's located about 60 miles north of Saudi Arabia's current commercial hub, and uh, it's envisioned for about 2 million residents. They're going to have industrial parks, hospitals, schools, golf courses, blah, blah, blah. And um, uh, they have posted in this area, they have posted 20 to 30% growth in revenues for the past five years. And uh, he thinks that they're creating something that um, will benefit. And um, I thought that was interesting. I think it's interesting, but I don't, re I don't, I don't trust the numbers. Who is building anything that they don't expect it to go online until what twenty years from now? Look what they've that done. Like a space project. Look going what they've to done to Abu Dhabi. Like I mean, look what they've done to Abu Dhabi. Well, what have they done? Well, look at the buildings. Is it Abu Dhabi? Well, I understand that. But look it, at the buildings. I mean, they, they, they've built the this. They they built this. This these. I don't know, in a desert. You know. I mean, it's incredible the, what they've built. They, they're, they have I, how much so wealth from their take? oil. How much time did it take to get it online? But the I point, just don't see 20 years. I mean, with all the money the Saudis have, if they're serious about this, this strikes me as a kind of project that he ought to be able to knock out. He ought to get it operational in five years and perhaps. be finished in 10. I don't understand a 20-year on this. That me, doesn't make sense, but one other point. The important it part is... suggests that Saudis are anticipating running out of crude oil. That's my point. The whole point of this article is the other areas were interesting tabs, but 
they have their youth unemployment rate is more than 28%. And this project is their efforts to diversify away from oil. And, you know, it could be a little bit too much too late. Don't know. But uh, you're right. And that was my point. They're diversifying away from oil. If I had to guess, they may be telling us that this thing's going to be finished in 2035. They'll get it started up now. They say, oh, it's not going to be finished till 2035. People are going to say, well, that's when you think you're going to be out of oil. I think they might be telling us 20 years before this is done to deceive us into believing that the supply of crude oil will last another 20 years when perhaps the Saudis are sitting back and saying, we've got to have something online in 10 years or whatever the real number as to when Saudi oil runs out, if you catch my drift. Do you understand what I'm saying? I understand what you're saying. I mean, I, it, I found, I, it's interesting. And it's certainly, uh, All this uh, you know, where you could see they're, they're looking to <laughs> attract manufacturing. You know, so for, you know, with our new trade agreement, and, of course, there was information out on that. I mean, it's just these – I mean, it's just uh, – This stuff is always as interesting as a game of wires poker, Melody. And that's what everybody's doing here. They were all holding that dollar bill, their forehead, and everybody else can see what they've got, but they're lying. And liars poker, I don't know. That's probably, that's probably an apt description for what's going on with global free trade, the New World Order, and the United Nations, and all these treaties and currency wars and the rest of it. I wonder if anybody's telling the truth. Is anybody telling the truth? Or is it all just lies? I don't know. You know, this this Obama, you know, that the, the, this trade secret, I mean, it, it's amazing. I mean, and these people are voting on things that they don't even know, and we're heading oh, into I a vote. I mean, and it's the same. And they're, they're, they happily announced, well, I don't know what's, what it says. I don't know what's in there, but we need it. Let's talk about that when we return from a break. We'll take some commercial announcements, and Melody and I will be back in just a moment on financial survival. Please stay tuned. a heart condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it, It has been traded, 
borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Hi, folks. I'm Alfred Adask here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival. Programs brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver at 1-800-375-4188 for all your gold and silver coin needs. What's next, Melody? And we're going to finish out the week with a special we've been running uh, for the past couple of days. That is the $5 Indian gold piece circulated, $5 Indian gold piece, and 20 of the Silver Eagles, and it's the current year, 2015, of the one-ounce Silver Eagles, 20 of those, and includes all your shipping costs for $800. So give us a call at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. You know, we were talking when the first segment of the program stopped. We were talking about how the Trans-Pacific Partnership, for example, the paperwork, we the people don't get a chance to look at this. The government may not even know what's in it. Or, I mean, when I say the government, I mean everyone in Congress. I'm not sure anyone has it. I don't know how many people really know what's in this agreement. This is another one of these episodes like the Patriot Act, which the geniuses in Congress and the Senate, they all voted for it without even reading it. Huh? And they did the same thing with the Obamacare. And Nancy Pelosi explained, well, first you've got to vote for it, and then you can find out what's in it. And the idiots in Congress go along with this. But the truth of the matter is, it's not uncommon. It's not the sort of thing that just happens once in a while with the Patriot Act or with the Obamacare. The truth is, Congress doesn't have time to read all these idiot laws they're passing. You know, they come up with an omnibus bill periodically to send up to the president on, who knows, Defense Department or whatever. That bill is the size of a phone book. And it's not a romance novel. You understand? This is not light reading. 
Now, I am going to bet you that 95% of the people in the House of Representatives and 95% of the people in the Senate and absolutely the President of the United States have not read these documents. They don't read them. They just sign their name to them. They just broker them. They don't read these things. And this is important because Supreme Court has ruled on a regular basis that the meaning of the law, meaning of any law, if we get into a law and it's written and I look at it and it appears to say yes on a particular subject, but the language is ambiguous and Melody looks at the same language and she says no, it says no. Well, now we go to court to argue what does what is the real meaning of that sentence in the law. And the Supreme Court will go back and look into the records in Congress, and they'll look into the debates and discussions and whatever happened in committee on the law, endeavoring to find what was the congressional intent. The intent is the law. The words are only an expression of the intent. And if the words are garbled up or they're ambiguous and they don't clearly express the intent, then we go back and we try to discover what did Congress really intend to do. It's the congressional intent that is the law. Now, how can there be any intent when Congress and the Senate don't even read the laws that they're voting for or voting against? And just in case, in case some of you find this idea, this argument to be, uh, you know, a little bit surprising, maybe implausible, here's an article from the Associated Press, and the headline is Capitol Hill Buzz. Who has time to read these bills we pass? Congress can get so busy that senators and their staffs don't always have time to scrutinize bills they pass and the letters they sign or so it seemed this week anyway. Two episodes left the Democrats blushing, some Republicans muttering under their breath, and taxpayers perhaps wondering what those well-educated people do on Capitol Hill. It illustrates a point. I can't remember. Uh, one was interviewed, one, one congressman, black guy from New York, can't remember his name, uh, Michael Moore interviewed him for one of his movies back a decade ago. And he said, why didn't you guys read the Patriot Act before you signed it? And the congressman he was speaking to, he said, welcome to welcome to Washington, son. We don't read any of the bills we vote for. Oh, you're talking about Wrangle. Yeah, that's him. I, mean, I could tell right. by your imitation. <laughs> yeah, I think, that's, I think that's who it was. I think it was Wrangle. I couldn't think of his name. But what he's telling us, they're not reading the law and what they're telling us beyond that is they don't have enough respect for the american people to even check out what these laws say and then we get into it and we find oh my gosh we've just passed a law that allows the government to spy on people in the patriot act or we're going to find out in obamacare surprise surprise i can't think of a good example but they came up and says oh oh my gosh when we voted for it we had no idea well how would you have an idea if you haven't read it and we're going to see the same thing in this Trans-Pacific Partnership. You watch. They're going to try to sneak this thing in without public scrutiny, and then they're going to say, oh, dear, we just have to be bound by it. We didn't know it was going to say something stupid or something bad, but we voted for it, and uh, now the rest of you poor saps are simply obligated to live with it. Let me, oh, ask, your oh. Let me ask you a question now. This is just the opposite side of the coin. Perhaps they do know. 
Perhaps nobody they, knows. Let, let me fin- let me finish. Perhaps they do read it, but no. the reason that they say they don't read it because then they are felt they are held more accountable. It's an issue that they have to debate, and if they debate something, if it's talked about, then the American people would say, "No, we don't want that." So maybe they do know a little bit more about what's going on, but they just plead the ignorance that they don't know, that they didn't read it. We have to read it to find out. And uh, But they, 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 they certainly have a lot more knowledge of what it contains, and the leaders, they just don't want to. The leaders of the two political parties do, and whoever pulls their strings, they understand what the law is going to say. All right, And they understand what it's going to do. Do the rank-and-file members of Congress understand? No. Because, number one, they're probably too dumb to understand this. You know, you take a bill. You take these bills. As I said, these are not romance novels. These are not the kind of thing that the average man can read and understand. It takes time to study and put the pieces together and realize, you know, Section 237, how it corresponds to Section 917, and make connections and, you know, connections the dots and realize what the implications are it takes time it takes effort it's like reading what the 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 uh, diagram for how to build a uh, nuclear submarine or whatever this is complex business and the people we're electing i don't think they have brains enough to read it most of them in the first place they don't write the laws the laws are written by in many instances lobbyists Supply proposed laws. They say, here, we want you to broker this. Don't bother reading it. Just stand up. We'll give you a bunch of money if you go ahead and push this law and get it through Congress. And the congressmen, the senators, they are brokering laws. They're not legislating laws. They're not legislating laws. Well, the point is, a law is like a chain that's going to be attached to everybody's neck out here in TV land. All right, we're all going to, they're going to pass a new law. And we're going to have to wear around our neck like a chain. And your congressman doesn't have enough respect for you or for your spouse or for your, your children or your grandchildren to even exp- in, uh, investigate, inspect the chains that they're going to put around your neck to see if there's any burrs that might pay for your skin. They don't care. We're just people are giving them money. They're taking the money so they can get reelected, so they can take more money to get reelected, blah, blah, blah. But they don't even read the laws to see if, gee, maybe they're going to hurt my constituents. And part of the reason for that is I don't think the Congress cares about constituents anymore, and not to a significant degree. What they're mostly concerned with is who gives them money that will help them get reelected. Or who gives them money that they can bury in the backyard or in a Swiss bank, whatever. But there is something wrong in Congress, and it goes to the money. I heard they, I heard they're planning, or they've already implemented another raise for Congress. There's one group of people they were in this trying country trying to get it through. Yeah, well, they had a. She did. You know, it's like it's like for me. We haven't like had a raise in five whores, years. They need a raise. I got to have more money, and the rest of the whores got to go out and work harder so the pimp can have more money. Look, let the pimp earn some money on his own once in a while instead of just trying to rob the whores. Um, that's when Congress comes up and says, "Oh, we haven't had a raise." That's too bad. You people brought us into this mess in the first place, and you've done nothing successful to get us out of it. We remain in, a, in, an, in an impaired economy. 
right? And we're not likely to really get better. We are. I've got another article in here, and I'm gonna, I don't know if I'll be able to find it. I've got a stack of these things. It's. Uh, here, let me see. Ah, I probably won't find it right now. Yeah. Here, here it is. Economist Tyler Crow says the economy might be a disappointment for years to come, and we'll just have to get used to it. This is in Building and Business Insider. The economy might stink for a while. Writing in the New York Times this weekend, economist, author, and blogger Tyler Collins says that we made to get used to the idea that the economy will continue to underperform our expectations. What he's saying is we are we're not going to get out of this. We're not going to get out of this apparent stagnation. We're not going back to a vibrant economy, and the reason we're not he recognizes this is happening. Well, we may have to get used to it. Well, yeah, if they're going to let illegal aliens pour into this country and take jobs and establish a low wage scale for people, yeah, you can expect that we probably won't see the economy improving. If they're going to allow jobs to be outsourced to foreign countries and industries and so on, yeah, chances are we're going to see an underperforming economy for the into the future years. What The point here is that the nation itself has been dramatically impaired by the negligence and malfeasance of our own Congress and Senate and presidency when they are bound and determined to put us into a new world order, bound and determined to move us into the North American Union, bound and determined to turn this country, this nation, into an economy that has a completely different system of values that is contrary to our best interests. Are we going to continue? Yeah, and here we have this article in Business Insider says, yeah, we're going to remain, we're going to probably remain in a stagnant situation for who knows. They don't put a year on it, but into significantly into the future, and they're right. We are going to have a stagnant economy for probably the next decade, and maybe in who knows how far into the future, simply because government has diminished our productive capacities. And the government is going to come back and say, oh, my gosh, you people don't have any food? Well, we'll put you on welfare. And we'll tax the other poor saps that are still working and still have jobs. And the government's going to act as if it's solving the problem when, in fact, it is causing the problem by betraying the American people's best interest. And it's going to continue until the American people wake up and look around and say, holy cow, maybe the government is not our BFF. That's best friend forever, Melody. <laughs> well, that's not what I was going to say. but uh-huh. Well, I didn't know, but I thought, <laughs> I, thought I'd, so. <laughs> I thought I'd, I thought I'd explain it just in case. I was going to add some other Uh huh. I thought I'd explain it before you... Uh, you didn't have to explain it to me, but I was going to change. Anyway, well, speaking of government, we do have some government numbers <laughs> today that we can talk about and see where they're heading out. The consumer prices, U.S. consumer prices were up slightly in April, but uh, they're going to say they were held in check because we've had another decline in energy costs. That sort of offset that one big-time jump that we had um, and uh, I'm sorry, it was offset by the uh, one-month jump in medical care in eight years. Consumer prices edged up 0.1% last month compared to March. 
Uh, energy costs fell 1.3%. Food prices were unchanged. Uh, core inflation, uh, which excludes the food and energy, that climbed to 0.3%. And, of course, that was the biggest gain in 15 months. Uh, that figure was driven higher by the 0.7% in the medical care and uh, also a surge in hospital costs. I'm so glad Obamacare was here, affordable health care was here to you know, keep everything affordable and make make sure everything was... Yeah, there's yeah. another... Why don't they subject these bills to little truth and advertising? Affordable health care? Is that what we've got now? Yeah, I know. If I was a private supplier of goods and services, and I was arguing that I was creating some sort of affordable product, it was only, I was selling gold coins for only three times what they would cost in the free market. I'd be charged with fraud, all right? It's not affordable. It's a racket. It's a con. It's the same thing with this. It's the same thing with the Affordable Health Care Act. I know, I know. Affordable, my bones. But, but prices, excluding the energy and food, are up 1.8% from a year ago. And um, you know, we talked about gasoline prices are um, currently about 273 which is up about 27 cents from a month ago, but it's still below 91 cents from a year ago. And uh, the cost of home furnishings rose 0.5%, and that is, of course, the largest gain since 2008. So when you really think about it, 0.5% gain, and that's the largest gain since 2008, it really goes to show, oh, we're doing fantastic, aren't we? I know. I know. Yeah, happy days are here again, and so is the time for commercial break. I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival. We'll be back in a moment. Please stay tuned. Aspirin mistake. Aspirin was discovered by mistake during World War II and suppresses your immune system and prevents blood clotting. Don't expose your body to risk when you can use a natural inflammation and pain reliever called Extra Strength Pain Relief by Apothecary Herbs. Discover the power this formula has with Salicin to enter the system in 60 seconds to work hard and relieve pain for 12 hours. Whether it's arthritis, sports injury, or flu, You can relieve aches, pain, and swelling with our Extra Strength Pain Relief Formula. Call Apothecary Herbs now, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3Ws.ThePowerHerbs.com. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? 
Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Hi, folks. I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedars-Tremont Financial Survival. I want to thank all of you for listening. We've got a caller, Dave, from Michigan. Hello, Dave. Hi, Dave. Hi, Alfred. Hi, Melody. Hi. What up? It's pretty amazing that uh, Dubai, these guys flying over the uh, uh, the city with that uh, wing jet system that they have. Mm. And uh, it's, it's amazing the technology that they have. Also, that could yep. be used as a weapon, but uh, we won't talk about that. If they were worried about kamikazes. They got their you own kamikazes. 135 miles an hour, and you can fly in right at the rooftop with this thing. So, And for uh, people who anyway, don't understand what we're talking about, let's just make sure we under get this across. They have a device that you can essentially strap on your back that includes you a couple jump out of a plane, you jump, jet you, engines. You jump, yeah. strap on. It's got four jet engines, and uh, <laughs> they did aerobatics over the uh, Dubai, and they had these... Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 cam uh, helmet cams on and uh, fantastic uh, uh, photography. Uh, I told Melody to share it with you. I yep. don't know if she did or not, but <laughs> yeah, I saw it, it back a week or so ago. Something. Yeah, that's, that's something to see, you know. But you know, going back to this Patriot Act, you know, Tom Daschle says, "Hey, I got to read this thing. There's no time. You can't go to your office. You got Antrax. Remember that? So yeah. you couldn't read it." And then the Affordable Health Care, after it was passed, they added 1,700 pages yeah. under armed guards in that room. So whoever read that, now, and that's 8,800,000 words in the so-called Affordable Health Care Act. I know some people that are using it to their advantage by playing that they don't have anything, okay? They ever get caught, they're going to be in trouble. But they're getting everything free, and these are people that... Are driving Corvettes and stuff, you know. So I mean, whatever. Um, <laughs> you just got to be a crook like the people in Washington, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then this new bill, I hear they have one hour to read it in the basement of the congressional building. And before, mm-hmm. you know, the the guys used to take their aides and they'd take sections and they'd have speed readers and that's what they did with the, the affordable health care. Even so, out. you can see why we get into so much trouble. It used to be that the congressman would legislate. They would sit down, and I would say, I have an idea for a bill. I would present it to you and present it to Melody, and you would read it and say, well, that's idiocy, or it's okay, I think it's pretty cool, but I'll go along, but I need to change this, that. And we would reach certain compromises. We would either, between us, reject the bill, or we might agree to it in, a, in some amended form. But as congressmen and senators, we were responsible for writing the bills. 
We elect people in Washington right now that don't have a clue how to write these bills and probably don't really even have a clue as to how to read them. We are electing people from central casting to be our congressmen and senators, and we're going to pay a price for that. We need people that are competent rather than pretty. Who was the uh, senator from Pennsylvania that didn't know the uh, the three um, divisions of power? He said Congress, Senate, and the president. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Melody, that's, that's your state. You should know that. I can't think of his name. Uh, well, but, there's uh, so many of them that say so many yeah, right. things. Yeah, right. You can't keep track. And uh, and now this this uh, new new city going up in Saudi Arabia. I got news for you. That's going to be a lot of jobs for a lot of Filipinos because <laughs> I know a lot of Filipinos. They like and they all yeah. work. They all work over there. Those people yeah. really don't want to work. And, and you mean uh, the Saudi we, Arabians? Yeah. Yeah. A friend of mine. Uh, he was over there working for a, a private air freight service for a while, and they fly in seven forty seven day. They with food because you know they really can't grow anything out there in the desert. Yep. So they could shut off their oil, but if we wanted to just shut off their food, you know, they didn't think of that in 73 or didn't want to play that game, but you, you could have, you know. Yeah, but, you know, teachers. 73, OPEC was vilified. Not just Saudi Arabia, but OPEC in general was vilified. But what happened in 71, 72? They agreed that they would only sell their crude oil for dollars. Nixon pulled the plug on gold in 71. Right. And then we entered into the agreement with Saudis and then with OPEC, and I have no idea. We agreed to protect Saudis. I don't know what kind of a deal we cut with OPEC, but they followed suit, and they said we'll only sell our crude. And we, in this country, we said, oh, the reason the price of crude oil is going up is because of the evil you know, OPEC and evil Saudis and so on. Those people were holding our dollar together for us. That's the only thing that backed the dollar was the oil. Yeah, 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 because they agreed that they would only sell the dollar. Otherwise, the dollar would have collapsed. I mean, whatever price increases we saw were only part of what we might have expected if they went off the gold standard and they didn't effectively back it with crude oil. They cut that deal. They effectively backed the dollar with crude oil. It retained value. If they hadn't done that, we'd have seen it crash. We'd have seen the price of gasoline go to 50 bucks a, a gallon. Or who knows what it might have been. Whatever happened, OPEC was vilified, but they were actually holding us together. Yep. yep. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the only thing that held up the dollar it, uh, was the, the oil. So it was pegged to that. So, And uh, it would be real easy to if uh, China and Russia uh, start their own currencies and pull away from that. And that could even happen this October. A lot of people it's say a lot of things going on. are going to happen. Reason, it's been going on since Saddam Hussein back in 2000, thereabouts, said that he was going to start selling his crude oil for currencies other than the dollar and mainly the euro. Well, it's that's the reason, in my opinion, that's... that we invaded Iraq. They had the audacity to, to stop selling their crude oil for only dollars. They threatened the almighty dollar. And at the time, the dollar was about 125 on the uh, on the yeah. U.S. dollar index, and now it's down to about 95 and the same with Gaddafi right. in Libya. He made that same mistake as saying, well, I think we're going to have our own currency. It's going to be gold-backed, and he wanted That's the right. United States of Africa, right. and they didn't That's, want that. Yeah. Oh, no. He, I mean, this money, people sit back and they think money is just something you count. And they think, oh, yeah, I know all about money. You know, I know that the five is better than the one and the ten is better than the five and so on. 
You don't get it, folks. If all you know about money is how to count it, you do not understand what's going on. This money and how they hold the system together, it's almost like a kind of sorcery. And if you threaten their sorcery, they will come after you. They came after Saddam Hussein. They hanged him. Then Gaddafi, he wound up up dying at a knife from from knife wounds and the rest of this sort of thing. And that was the poorest country in Africa when he took over, and it was one of the richest and more liberal. It had the highest standard of living in Africa. And the people were delighted with it. He was actually taking the oil out of the ground, sharing it with the people. You got, I don't remember, they got a free house when you got married. Uh, I don't know if it was free, but you you got the house. Yeah, you did. Yeah, and then yeah, had to pay it off in 20 years or something like that. But yeah, it was something cheap. like that, yeah. yeah. I mean, he was, was doing a... what he could for the people, and they killed him dead or in the doornail. And now Libya is just in a state of chaos. Right. Now the now they're gonna, the people who live there, at least some of them, are trying to emigrate, cross the Mediterranean, and get into Europe. Yeah, they're trying to get into Italy, and they're drowning trying to do it. You know, it's, uh-huh. it's a shame. Yeah, I know. But this is what happens. You must with, you know, I used to publish a magazine called The Anti-Shyster, and we dealt with political issues and legal issues. And one thing I observed over time, there were people that were exploring the concept of money, and some of them were doing things that were sort of like Bitcoin, all right? In a very, they, they had their own ideas about writing their own comptroller's warrants and their own money orders. And a lot of these ideas may have been crazy, but I was aware of them. I didn't engage in them myself, but I was aware of them. And I saw one thing that I understood. You could go out and espouse any crazy idea you wanted. You could espouse bombing the Pentagon, shooting the president. The government didn't care. They got plenty of they got plenty of military to, to bomb the Pentagon. They got plenty of people. You did you could shoot a president, they can screw another one in like changing a light bulb. They didn't uh-huh. care. But if you threatened the monetary system, and I saw this over the twelve years I published the magazine, I saw it repeatedly. You threaten the monetary system and they are coming after you and they are gonna jump on you with both feet. You are gonna get hurt. You have a credible threat to the monetary system. And that was back in the 90s. I learned the lesson then. And we've only seen it amplified with, this, with, with what happened to Gaddafi and, and Saddam you know what, Hussein. I'm not, you know, and you're right. You know, you think you know, it's hard to believe, and I know who you're talking about. And some of these, I mean, they really were not a threat whatsoever. No, but, I I know we, but I know we published, uh, it was just a small article. About the fiat currency mm-hmm. and about the loss of the value of the dollar, and we were questioned by authorities about it. You they mean... knew they knew we wrote that article. Yeah. Oh, you're the one who wrote that article that we found in this and that magazine, and it was about the and they questioned whether we actually thought that was going to happen and blah 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 blah. So, and that was in ninety six. Yeah. Or 97 yeah, right. or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yet there was no credible, I mean, what threat was there in just I publishing that, an article? It tells called, don't even think about it. <laughs> it tells you that the money system is the heart of darkness of the whole economy. And not just the U.S. economy, the global economy. This thing will be protected. Uh, no matter what happens, they will try to protect that monetary system as long as humanly possible. There may be a day when they have to just turn it loose and say, okay, that's, that's failed. We've got a new one. 
a new and improved, some sort of an alternative, but as much as possible. I mean, they'll let people die in Benghazi, but don't you mess with the money system. Hey, listen, I got a thought for the holiday. Uh, relatively new Walmarts next to Menards up here in, in uh, the northern suburbs here just had eight-foot cyclone fence put all the way around it. Really? And then my nephew says that uh, there's a uh, new Hobby Lobby, and it used to be a Kmart, and the uh, Hobby Lobby is not in too good with the government. But anyway, uh, in the uh, big lots, and guess what? Cyclone fence is going up there, too. Now, why? And they're, they're not doing construction. Brand new parking lots, brand new striping. So why are you putting up uh, like a school ground? You know. So I said, when you see the razor wire pointing in, I guess you're going to know what it's used for. But they don't have razor wire at this time. You're not saying yet. the razor wire. I get that. <laughs> but, but it's I a get scary that. thing to see a shopping center is being fenced in. Well, it's the sort of thing. It can be some people are going to speculate that they're building them in anticipation of using them as concentration camps. Some people are going to speculate that. Otherwise, you could look at it as that the people at the Walmart or whatever are anticipating civil unrest. Well, that could be and they don't want their store to be swamped by people coming in to steal groceries. Ah, uh, that could be too. Another another so point. Well, taken. but it, yep. it's it's one of those things. You look at it, and we don't know whether the glass is half empty or half full. We don't know what's going on, but we oh. know that someone is anticipating something unpleasant. I mean, cyclone Back. fence is not for having picnics. It's not picnic fence. It's cyclone fence. Maybe we don't get a cyclone, but we're still going to get some sort of trouble. So maybe that might bring the point is I wouldn't be caught holding paper come uh, September, October. Oh, I understand. One last thing, Melody, they're looking for a woman's photo to put on the $20 bill. All right. So why don't you nominate yourself? (laughs) (laughs) I'll nominate Ruby. (laughs) She's a female Uh, dog. Hey, yeah, you know well. it was fun. It was funny because go, we were traveling through uh, to out west. This goes back to 2003, and we were driving through New Mexico, going through Albuquerque. We actually spent the night in Albuquerque, and I was with my cousin's daughter. She's about 20, 21. She had just gotten back from uh, was it Nicaragua? Um, I can't remember which country. She had just visited with her other aunt. And we stopped at this hotel, and when I was in the insurance, I marketed to, to five, six different states, West Coast, uh, you know, the western part of the states. New Mexico was one of my territories, and I always enjoyed New Mexico. It was a beautiful state, and, and I always enjoyed Albuquerque. But uh, 15 years later, when I went back driving through with my cousin's daughter, the hotel we stopped at, we were driving around to find – there were many businesses that had the barbed wire that had the uh, – uh, chain link fence and had the barbed wire at the top mm-hmm. and driving through Albuquerque she said to me she says this is just like coming uh, from where I was at which was the third world country yeah. uh, and like I said I can't remember if it, I can't remember which uh, country it was one of the, the, the lower Latin American countries so right. um, this has started a long time ago and you know people it, it was just uh, for protection for safety we're here to keep you safe and uh, they get to do all kinds of things. Well, you bring enough third world people into the country and, and allow them to maintain the culture they had where they were from their home culture, keep their home language. You're going to let that happen. You're going to turn this into a third world country. That's all. You have to have and you have to begin to realize, understand, perceive, and value 
your own cultural values, and you've got to say, no, we've got to do it this way, because things happen. It's not just a question of whether you wear colorful outfits and peculiar hats or something. Your system of values will determine whether or not you're going to be prosperous and powerful or whether you're going to live in bondage. And you bring people in who don't have those system of values and tell your children you've got to respect those systems of values, you are simply helping to destroy this nation. I'm Alfred Addis. Well, what have we got? 30 seconds left, Melody? How about? Just want to okay, remind you. Have folks. a good weekend. Stay All right, Dave. Thank you, you for your you call. You too, David. Thank you. Just want to remind the listeners we have the special, the, the $5 Indian gold piece and 20 Sober Eagles for $800, and that includes your shipping costs, and uh, that will be good through um, today and uh, for the late night listeners just leave a message uh, on the recorder and we'll contact you we're going to be closed on monday and uh, we will replay a, a program from this week um for the show on monday um so i don't want to do a live show and uh i am having family over and well, about I, you al can't do a live show i'm going to sue Melody. But we'll talk about lawsuits later. Right now, we're out of time. I want to thank all of you for listening. Hope you have a good weekend. Happy Memorial Day. I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstrom. We'll be back next Tuesday. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, and Frank, the producer. Bye-bye. Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR 2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR 2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? 
Don't forget to tune in to the Sulphur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free to air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75 centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541 225 4659. That's 541 225 4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System.
Alright, good afternoon all. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Steph, and you're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is the 22nd of May, 2015. It's Friday, and it's about 9 minutes after 2 p.m., okay? So if that's live for you, this is your last chance of the week to call in and participate in the show. 800-932-1980, 800-932-1980, all right? And uh, if you call that number, you will get on the air. So, you can also participate by going to our website, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. And we have a chat room there that you can uh, get in real easy. Pick a name, pick a password, put in your email. You'll see the chat link. That's how easy it is. And if you do that, you can participate in the show. I'm in there. Uh, And other people are in there. So you can just chat with them, too. You don't have to participate, okay? Uh, You can also get to me through Yahoo Instant Messenger. And that's pretty much... uh, all the time. And and that's a good way actually to communicate with me. Now you you can't send an email and I'll eventually get around to it. And if you do say I I'd like a reply in some way or another, uh, eventually I'll do that too. But these are all eventualities. If you get my drift. Now, the instant messenger happens to be open on my computer, staring me in the face. And when you log on to there, and under the screen name, AVRN Talk, it lights up, starts blinking. Hard to miss. Okay? So, the eventuality of a response, you know, the time frame we're talking about is a lot less when you use instant messenger matter of fact it's probably even less in the chat room okay email is the most detailed way you can you know if you really want to give me information or want lots of information or something like that you know then email's the way to go it just takes it just takes longer to get you know communicating back and forth but if you just want something real simple real quick chat room or instant messenger is the way to go all right really is all right so uh let's see here let's get to the let's get to the thing the thing the thing meaning the news the bad news it's always bad news isn't it well here's an encouraging before we get to the you know uh soul-crushing news of the day, we'll, we'll do something a little encouraging. Is watching Netflix on the broadband internet more like A, watching cable television, or B, talking on the telephone? Hmm, let me think. Well, common sense. Oh, wait. Uh, that, that foreign thing that people used to have? Yeah, well... Uh, you can read about it in the history books, I think. Common sense, yes. It's it's a it's a dead concept now, but there used to be something called common sense, and if you 
still have any remnants of that, it suggests the answer is A. And the court that overturned the previous open Internet rules chose A. The First Amendment demands it. The Federal Communication Commission, nevertheless, chose B. Yeah, and their little rules from the the jackass Obama, uh, you know, shill, Tom Wheeler, and that's all he really is, is just an Obama shill. They were never going to do this, but Obama demanded it. And the FCC is supposed to be independent of the, the executive branch. They're supposed to be dependent of the White House and the administration. But you see, Wheeler's just a little Nazi friggin' shill is all, you know, I can't think of anything else. This is so reminiscent of the Nazi regime, it's sickening. Oh, they had all these ministries also. Okay, and in the Soviet Union, they had all these directorates. And we have all these agencies, okay? The difference between what they were doing and what we were doing is the fact that the Fuhrer directed, okay, what was going on. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking this is probably why the Soviets called it directorates. Okay, because they were being directed by the leader. Well, that's not how it's supposed to go here. But Tom Wheeler, the little piece of garbage that runs the FCC, Obama's little butt buddy. Oh, yeah. Obama told him this is how I want it, and that's how he did it. And he pushed it through, along with the other Democrat scum in there. All right. Yeah, in the 2015 Open Internet Order, the FCC concluded the Internet is the functional equivalent of the public switched telephone network and is subject to the common carrier regulations of Title II of the Communications Act of 1934. Okay, for one, there was no intent in the Communications Act of 1934 to deal with the Internet. The Internet is not a switch telephone system, and any moron can know that watching Netflix is not like using the telephone. It is like using cable TV or satellite TV or anything else. If it had admitted the Internet offers communications capabilities that are functionally equivalent to the printing press, mail carriage, newspaper publishing, over-the-air broadcasting, and cable television combined it would have been too obvious that its decision to classify broadband Internet service providers as common carriers is unconstitutional. Like all other means of disseminating mass communications, broadband Internet access is a part of the press that the First Amendment protects from common carriage regulation. Plus, you got to understand, when they say common carriage... That's a fancy way of saying we've allowed a monopoly for the public good. Okay? That, that's what it means. That's what common carrier means when it comes to Communications Act. We have allowed a monopoly for the public good. And I'm not arguing that it wasn't for the public good. I'm not arguing that, uh, you know, regulating 
the power companies, for instance, as a monopoly is not for the common good. And allowing the power companies to be a monopoly, I'm not saying, I'm not arguing that isn't for the common good. It's actually worked out pretty well over the years. Now, it's not working out as well because, of course, the regulatory commissions have been taken over by the actual power company operatives, just like every other regulatory agency in the United States government is now run by the actual industries that they're supposed to be regulating. We call it the revolving door in our uh, dictatorocracy that we have going on. That's my new word for uh, the American government now. Our form of government, our new form of government here in the United States is a dictatorocracy. But, see, the good news about this is that the Supreme Court has upheld only government intrusions on the freedom of the press that were limited in scope and justified by detailed factual findings of scarcity or express agreement. For example, in Red Lion, the court ruled that a scarcity of available broadcast frequencies was enough to justify a relatively limited intrusion on the editorial discretion of over-the-air broadcasters. That's the, uh, you know, the fair, uh, where if you have a Republican come on, you have to have a Democrat come on, too. That that actually Reagan got rid of that. Uh, but that was the basis of this idea. That, look, because, you know, you've only got a couple of broadcast stations, and if in your area they're all liberal communists, then you've got to, you know, they have to let an opposing view on there. See, this was their their idea, and it had to be proven. It had to be shown that, look... I can show you for the last five years they haven't put on anything of an opposing view. And this is this is what happened. And in Turner Turner I, it ruled that a congressional finding of monopoly market power was enough to justify the imposition of access rights on up to one third of the capacity of large cable networks. See, you you get this? Now, it's all very specific. None of it is broad. What this is saying is, okay, so I live in an area and I want cable TV. Okay, so I go to the the cable company. And uh, they're the only cable company. And that's how it is, folks, because you see, what happens is, just like with the electric companies back in the day, the cable companies actually went out there and said, okay, I'm a cable company. I want to get all these people on my system. So I've got to get out there, and I've got to run all this cable down all these poles and, uh, you know, put in all this hardware. So people, this infrastructure, I have to put it in there so I can deliver this content to these people. 
Well, now I own all those lines, and it's all mine, and, and hey, I now have a monopoly. Unless, of course, you know, somebody else wants to come by and run their own dang lines down there. But people don't do that because it's costly, and now you've got to split the market, and it's just not enough to make it up. And you know what? I actually learned quite a bit about this by talking to the local cable company here in detail. Because where I live, uh, I'm kind of out of town. However, in the area I live, there's quite a few people out here in a clustered area. You know, I live in an area where I guess the... uh, And some people own more than one, but everybody's space is no less than eight acres. Uh, There's a couple exceptions, like on a corner or something, where it's kind of, okay, that might be six acres or seven acres or something like that, because it's just oddly shaped. But the idea is around here, everybody's got about eight acres. And, you know, like I said, some people have more than one. So they got bigger places, but there's quite a few people up here. I'd say in a, I don't know, four-mile dirt road area, maybe we've got, I don't know, 100 people or so. Well, anyway, so, and we have DSL up here, and we have electricity, and we have phones and all that stuff, right? So I called a cable company and said, hey, I realize we don't have cable out here, so can you give me some kind of time frame on when you'll be expanding cable out to our area? This was probably 20 years ago. And they laughed, and they said, well, uh, never. And I'm like, never? But, you know, there's quite a lot of people out here. I mean, I realize we're a little way out of town, but... uh." You know, once you get out of here, there's a lot of people. And he goes, and he explained to me, he goes, yeah, and that's the problem. See, once we get out there, he said, but you see, there's 12 miles of nothing before we get out there, which means we have to buy, we have to rent 12 miles of telephone pole access. We have to run 12 miles of cable, all of it producing zero income. Never going to happen. Okay, that's what he told me. Never going to happen. So, see, this is this is why you end up with a monopoly with a cable company. And this is why they said, okay, well, you know, you're exercising monopoly market power. You're not an actual monopoly, but you're exercising monopoly power. So the court said that, hey... They can basically tell the cable company up to one-third of their content. Like, you're going to have to run. You're going to have to let this on here. Okay? You're going to have to let that on here. You're going to have to, you're, you know, you're going to have to make a third of your deal available to maybe other broadcasters. You know, other companies, man. You're going to have to do it just kind of like they, they did with the phone companies. Because same deal with them. They got to run the wire. They got to run everything else. They own it. It's theirs, man. But the government said, all right, look, man, you're going to have to open up your lines to other people. Meaning, hey, if I want AT&T or I want Sprint or I want some other phone company, you got to let me have, you got to give them access to your phone lines to let me do business with them. 
This is not a normal business thing. This is by rule of the government, okay, to try to curb the monopoly power. But we already have that going on. You know, you can get Internet from, you know, numerous people. You can get numerous people, anybody who, hey, you're listening to AVR right now over the Internet, right? I have nothing to do with the phone company other than I buy bandwidth that I can use. They don't tell me what I got, what I can say and what I can't say and what I can put on and what I can't. They just say, look, this is what you bought. This is how much you can use. Have a nice day. And it goes anywhere. See, this is not a monopoly market power thing. It's already fine. And the FCC has come in and they've done this. And what this thing is saying is this is not going to... uh, This FCC ruling, and I've said this from the very beginning, is not going to withstand a court challenge. Okay, it's just not going to happen. This is so... uh, I mean... so over the over the top, like you got to be kidding me! Did you really think you had the authority to do this? And no, they don't think they have the authority to do it, but we're doing it anyway. That's their attitude. The unprecedented restriction imposed by the open internet rules eviscerate the freedom of the press without regard to scarcity. In the open internet order, the FCC expressly disclaimed any intent to find that ISPs have market power. It instead attempts to justify a total ban on the editorial discretion of ISPs based on the ideology of gatekeeper control. This ideology presumes that all content providers who wish to use a particular system for disseminating mass communications require a government-mandated right of free access to all other users of such systems at all times in order to survive, innovate, and compete. Its corollary, corollary presumption is that the operators of mass media communication systems have no recognizable interest, constitutional or otherwise, in exercising editorial discretion. No matter Now, this is funny because, you see... The government has in the past also said, well, let's see now. You are operating an ISP, and we find things on your ISP offensive, racist, terroristic, or whatever. And they have discussed that maybe we should start holding you responsible for this stuff. I mean, they've done it with FedBook. They've done it with others that, oh, oh, you better take that down or else you're going to be liable. Wait a minute. Here is the government once again talking out of both sides of their face. On one hand, they're saying, well, you know, you can't decide at all what's on your network. These are the new FCC rules. Yeah, you just got to let anybody anywhere use everything for anything, anytime. But on the other hand, they've said, but if these people that you have no control over, let's say the Nazi party wants to do something and you go, oh my gosh, I don't want the Nazi party on here. 
Oh, hey, FCC says too bad. You've got to let them on. Free access, net neutrality, blah, 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 blah. You have no editorial concern. Now let's just say the Nazi party gets on there and says, hey, let's kill all the Jews. Let's kill the president. Let's kill everybody. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's burn down the Reichstag again. Let, hey, let's, let's start murdering people on the street. I'm calling for revolution in the streets. And they start doing that, right? And the government says, well, this is not acceptable. And you... You, you let them on there to do this. Why weren't you, uh, you know, why weren't you taking care of this? And why weren't you, uh, you know, ah, but you see, that's the whole thing. They're setting up a situation where that's what they're going to start doing. This is the whole plan, folks. Do you really think the government, okay, tell me this. What's not free about the Internet? I mean, and I don't mean free as in money. I mean free as in who is actually not letting you get to whatever. I mean, okay, I run American Voice Radio Network. There are certain things you're not going to hear on this network because I won't let them on. Okay? However, so what? I certainly am not exercising any monopoly power, you want to hear anything, you can find it on the internet. So what's the government's purpose? See, somehow they're saying that, oh, that's not what's happening. That's not how it is. You're not able to get everything you want. You're not able to do everything you need to do. You're not. It's there. They're, the man be holding you down, and we're here to help you. Except the man ain't holding you down. But see, what they want is they want to create a situation where they say, hey, you know, ABR doesn't have any Satanists on there. ABR doesn't have any homosexuals on there. Uh, Gee, ABR uh, uh, speaks against homosexuals, and that's just not fair. So, to be fair, because, gee, what if somebody comes into ABR and Oh, we're, gee, where's all the homos? This isn't right. The government is basically saying, instead of just saying, well, then I'm leaving AVR and I'm going to go to some homo station where I can listen to what I want. No, no. The government is wanting to say, okay, AVR, you're going to have to have one-third or one-half of your programming now homo. Now, this is an extreme situation, but this is exactly the situation that they are trying to create under the guise of somebody, the man, be holding you back from information that you really want. It's crap. It's a lie, just like all the other government lies. Every time they are, you know, this whole joke about, oh, well, you know, politicians lying, his lips are moving, is not a joke. It's really not a joke. And it's not funny either, because every time they do open their mouth, they are lying. And do you really find that funny? I don't find that funny. I don't think that's funny at all. Matter of fact, I'm pretty sure it's probably a crime. And I'm thinking it might even be the crime of treason. Here's my theory, my legal theory on that. You're a representative of me. You're my fiduciary, actually. 
Okay? I'm the beneficiary. You're supposed to be there doing my bidding, representing me. Now, if you lie to me, and I don't care if you lie to me face-to-face or you lie to me on the TV, you give me misinformation and you lie to me about what you're doing and why you're doing it, you've just committed a crime. Forget your little oath. Forget everything else. This is clearly a fiduciary relationship. And you're violating that. You're committing crimes. You're lying to me for your own gain and benefit. You're robbing me. Ooh. My, my. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder how a lawsuit like that would go against your congressman next time he opens his mouth and lies. Because, you know, somebody did sue them and say, oh, his campaign promises were lies. I'm suing him. And the Supreme Court said, ah, come on, you ought to know better. They always lie in campaign promises. That ah, it's not. No, you lose. Okay, fine. How about sue them as fiduciaries? And let them say, no, we're not fiduciaries, because, okay, if you're not fiduciaries, then you're not representing me, and then you can't tax me if you're not representing me. Because, well, that's what the whole basis of this country is on, uh, uh, foundation is on, taxation without representation. That's what caused the whole revolution. Yeah, you see? More than one way to skin a politician. We'll be back in a bit.
that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. 
Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $1.49. $49.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System.
This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It's still May 22nd, 2015, Friday, about 2.46 and a half out here on the Pacific Time Coast. Hope you weren't all offended too badly by that first song, uh, that Steppenwolf, the pusher. And uh, I played it because I want to make a point here. I'm trying to make a point to you folks. Now, what that song is calling for is probably the harshest punishment you could ever wish on anyone. And Steppenwolf obviously saw some friends and loved ones, you know, destroyed by their use of probably heroin. And I get that because I've seen I, I you know I've seen plenty of people wreck their lives. But then again, you've got to understand it's not the heroin that wrecked their lives. It's them that wrecked their lives with heroin. Right? Because you folks out there, now you understand something. You'll sit there and you'll tell me with your 9mm in your side going, Yeah, gun don't kill people. People kill people. But we got to stop them drugs because drugs is killing our children. By golly. Oh, really? Okay, let me ask you. How ignorant are you? You can say that all in one sentence and not realize how stupid you sound. Because you know what? You're right. Guns don't kill people. People kill people with guns. Heroin doesn't kill anybody. People kill themselves with heroin. And yeah, you can say, well, you know... Those pushers are out there giving away free heroin, getting kids hooked, and yeah, that's right, they are, because that's what pushers do. Now, let's take that to the money. Let's take that to what's going on in America. And when I hear pusher man, I don't think of the local Julio down on the street selling some heroin to people. I think of the suit-wearing Jamie Diamonds at Goldman Sachs and the Federal Reserve. That's who I think of when I think of the pusher man. Because, folks, their phony baloney dream money is a drug. 
And I'm th- you don't think so? Well, you think drugs are bad? You can say, well, the Bible says you got to stay sober. And uh, if you take heroin or you drink booze or you get high on drugs. And, oh, wait a minute. Did I say drugs? I mean dope. You get high on dope. Why, you're a sinner. Really? Okay. You might be right. You know, depending on what level you take it to. Because saying that is like saying, well, if you go out and get a job and need money, you're a sinner. You got the root of all evil in you because you got money in your pocket. Well, no. You see, because there's limits. It's not money is the root of all evil, folks. It's the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, my belief is, and you can argue this all day long, but the fact is, you got to go to the Bible, and if you're going to go to the Bible, then you got to be consistent in the precepts, precept upon precept. You don't get to just take and cherry-pick verses and say, see right here. No, you got to take the whole thing as a whole, but that's impossible for most people out there because they've never read the whole Bible. And that goes for a lot of pastors, too. They haven't read the whole Bible. They get their notes from their uh, service that they pay for to give them their sermons and everything else. And then they go look up the verses and open their Bible and look like they know what they're talking about. But they've never read the thing cover to cover. The fact of the matter is, the precept is, the love of money is the root of all evil. A drunkard doesn't get into heaven. It's the same precept. That's not somebody who has a drink. That's not somebody who smokes a joint. That's not somebody who does this on a recreational, you know, responsible basis. Just like having, you know... 200 bucks in your pocket isn't the root of all evil. Okay? But when you get to the point where you love money, when you get to the point where you are a drunkard, and a drunkard is somebody who, you know, doesn't, can't hold a job, can't do anything, you know, can't, and I don't want to even want to say a normal life, but cannot fulfill his responsibilities, okay? Just like a junk, you could call a junkie a drunkard. You know, I've seen guys ruin their lives with heroin. I've also seen guys maintain their lives and, and shoot heroin. You see guys all the time. Hey, they might have a, a you know a martini at lunch, uh, pound down a couple at home at night, and they do this every day for their whole life. Okay, you can't you you now AA might say, well, you're they're alcoholics, man, three drinks a day every day. Oh my gosh, they're alcoholics. Get them in here. Feed them cigarettes and coffee and donuts, quick. But the thing is, 
if they're fulfilling their responsibilities, they're not a drunkard. You know, a junkie, you know, hey, because, you know, listen, folks, if we're going to say that, then we might as well lock down America because how many people are on psychotropic drugs? How many people are on painkillers? Oh, this is all prescribed by your uh, doctor. It's all authorized by the government, but nevertheless, it's still a mind-altering substance. Alcohol is legal, too. Do you see? And I really look at the problems in America and say, yeah, you know, okay, great. Alcoholism is a problem, but it's a minor problem. Heroin abuse is a problem. It's a minor problem. And yeah, the guys out there getting people hooked or dirtbags, yeah, sure they are. But you know what? Let's look at the big problem. Okay? And let's look at the difference between even a drunkard. Okay, a drunkard isn't getting into heaven. But the love of money is the root of all evil. I don't know. Doesn't that seem a little more widespread and harsh? It does to me. And it's no wonder, because look at America. Yeah, we got a problem with drunkards. We got a problem, but, you know, and, and I count, like I said, I count junkies and uh, pharmaceutical, uh, you know, junkies and everybody everybody out there abusing, mind-altering, uh, you know, substances to the point where they cannot fulfill their responsibilities as drunkards. But... Let's look at the love of money here. See, the United States government has created entities called corporations that they have basically made the love of money their operating... They're, they're bound by law to, to fulfill... The love of money. Because a corporation's one and only, one and only purpose is profit and gain. Pay them stockholders. It's a legal obligation. Did you know that? A corporation legally is bound to make only the decisions that benefit the stockholders. Folks, that's the love of money. And this nation and the whole world basically is getting to be run by these entities that the foundation of their existence is the love of money. And that's why I played that song, because I view them as the pusher man. And I believe they deserve the harshest reward for their activities, folks. Because, you see, it's one thing to be greedy and love money and, you know, put yourself in a real bad spot by that. But it's another thing 
to infest a whole world of people with this. The root has grown. Okay? That's what roots do. Why do you think the Bible... You know, the words in the Bible are wisdom, folks. You need to really pay attention. The root... What do roots do? Roots grow trees. The root of all evil. So what kind of a tree would grow? The tree of evil. You know, there's all kinds of, you know, uh, stories in the Bible about vines and trees and fruit and all that stuff. Okay? This is a this is a, throughout the Bible. Tie it together, you see, but you can't unless you read the whole thing. You cherry-pick this and that and the other thing, and, well, look at this, this means that, blah, 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 and you go on and on and on and on, and people write books about it. People write books about a couple of verses they cherry-picked out of the Bible with total disregard for the big picture of how it all works together. You know what? And these shysters in churches calling themselves pastors that are doing that cherry-picking, they're also the pusher man. And they've got real problems coming, man, because the Bible speaks to them specifically. You lead your flock astray, you got big problems with the Father. And man... <laughs> you look at you look at guys like that smiley faced little weasel uh Joel Olstein wouldn't want to be you. Yeah, y'all might think, yeah, hey man, boy, he's got a jet aircraft and everything, man. I mean, he's filling stadiums. This guy, he even got a pretty wife. Wow, he's really got it going on. Well, he's got it going on. You know what? He's just got it going on, just like the guy going uh, 150 miles an hour in his Corvette going, man, this is great, till he hits the wall. Then it ain't so great anymore. Anyhow, we got Memorial Day coming up. I personally will be here Monday. I don't know who else will be, so you'll have to tune in and watch. But usually, mostly everybody is. Mostly everybody. So, uh, can't find any other live broadcasting on Monday. We'll be here. Uh, the show will be replayed at 8 p.m. tonight. As always, thanks for listening. They think we don't listen anyway. Time has come today. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. The 
Political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. doing this is hash this is health talk and i want to get into some stuff and i'll try and keep it as brief as i can but it's kind of relevant it's it's the atrocities that are being thrust upon us in the name of evidence-based science i mean it's just you know of all the threats that are facing us today None is more destructive than the modern-day evidence-based science. And by the word science, I don't mean the, the humble pursuit of knowledge, you know, using uh, genuine scientific methods. What I mean is the dogmatic, corporate-driven brand of distorted science that's based on falsified evidence, bribery of the gatekeepers, and corruption of the government regulators. And that particular science is killing us all with hormone disruptors, hidden food chemicals, heavy metals, genetic engineering, neurological disruptors. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And the pushers of this corporate-driven evidence-based science claim to be aiding humanity, yet their actions prove they are only destroying the health of the population and the future viability of the life-sustaining ecosystem as well. For every poison that threatens humanity today, there is a group of scientists lurking behind it, profiting from its consumption while spreading lies about its safety. So the aim of all this is to expose the lies of the corrupt science and reveal the truth about what the evidence-based science is really promoting in our foods, our medicines, our industries, and our home environments. So what is going to follow, what's going to come, is a part-by-part outline of the evidence-based science threat that is being continued to proliferate on the life on the planet. And first of all, I guess I got to talk about GMOs, and we'll be brief. The, The GMOs have been proven to cause widely increased growth of cancer tumors. This is a given. They also cause infertility and organ failure. 
And that's because the genetically modified crops grow deadly insecticides right in their own tissues. And when those crops are consumed by humans, the insecticides are part of the meal. So when the GMOs were recently fed to lab rats in a carefully designed experiment, it was reported that the animals on the genetically modified diet suffered mammary tumors as well as liver damage, kidney damage. And the researchers said that 50% of the males and 70% of the females died prematurely compared with only 30% and 20% in the control group. Now, the GMOs can also help to explain why infertility is skyrocketing in humans and why the, the younger kids are increasingly being diagnosed with autism and cancer. So given the deadly results of consuming GMOs, every scientist who pushes GMOs is an indirect murderer. Really, to push dangerous technology without any long-term safety testing whatsoever is a violation of the precautionary principle that used to be honored in scientific circles. But caution has been abandoned in favor of corporate profits, and now it's all about selling more food, more seeds, more chemicals, regardless of how many men, women, and children are killed or damaged in the process. So when you see a scientist arguing in favor of GMOs, you got to think to yourself, this guy is a homicidal maniac because widespread death is the ultimate result of their irresponsible, dangerous actions. Interestingly enough, I remember when uh, Obama was running for president in the first term, he promised he would label GMOs. Okay, well, we know that never happened. But now there's a bill that's trying to be passed called the TPP, which is the Trans-Pacific Partnership Bill, to unify a lot of countries and yada, yada, yada. You know, it's just political bullshit. But one of the factors involved in the TPP is that all the participating countries are forbidden to label genetically modified foods, just to give you a heads up. Okay, so when we talk about fluoride, all those that promote the addition of fluoride into municipal water supplies are basically conscious liars. They know that the so-called fluoride pumped into the water is actually a deadly chemical used as an insecticide often imported from China. And this product or this chemical is called hydrofluorosilicic acid. And it is not naturally occurring fluoride as they claim. And they're fully aware of this, but as usual, they choose to lie and deceive the public by stating they are only rebalancing the water with a natural element. In truth, 
The chemical fluoride used in water fluoridation is also derived from phosphate mining operations as well as nuclear fuels processing. So the doctors and the dentists that promote this stuff actually hope to see people harmed by it because that means more customers for them. Well, I, I shouldn't say customers. We have to use the word that they substituted for customers, and that would be patients. But it's basically more business for them. So if you have a fluoride-damaged dental patient that can produce thousands of dollars in revenue for a dentist and a fluoride-damaged hospital patient can generate millions of dollars in medical procedures, do you think anybody would want to have it any other way? The Chinese exporters of the fluoride chemicals Describe this product as follows. It is used in the manufacture of effervescing steel, the smelting and refining of light metals. It is used in fluorination of drinking water as a wood preservative, an adhesive preservative, an insecticide, a protective coating for metals, a pickle for steel and other metals, a flux for soldering and welding, as well as a flux and pacifier for ceramic glass and porcelain enamel. And this is going into the water supply. And you know, I, I, I have met doctors and dentists that advocate water fluoridation, and every one of them is aware that it's not natural fluoride being pumped into the water, and they know that it's a harmful chemical, but they push it anyway. So basically what they're doing is they're all becoming science criminals that are knowingly harming people, just like the GMOs and the vaccines and the water fluoridation poisoning is all conducted in the name of evidence-based science. But all the evidence shows that hydrofluorosilicic acid fluoride is a very, very damaging and deadly poison. Then we have the drug companies that are essentially not in the business of health. They are in the business of marketing disease and then offering their patented overpriced chemical medications as a treatment for disease. But their treatments never cure the disease. They only manage it, which leads to a lifetime of medication dependence, which just happens to financially enrich the drug companies. So the real story is that the drug companies push patients onto a toxic cocktail of multiple chemical drugs, none of which have ever been tested in combination. 
So the resulting toxicity to your liver, your kidneys, your pancreas, your brain is devastating. All drugs have toxic side effects. And although they're marketed in the name of evidence-based science, they kill over 100,000 Americans every year. The doctors are well aware that the drugs they prescribe are killing their customers, but they're on the receiving end of lucrative bribery schemes run by the drug companies. So they keep pushing the drugs while raking in the cash for themselves. So every drug-dealing doctor that pushes statin drugs, ADHD drugs, blood pressure drugs, antidepressant drugs, is a chemical coke conspirator of the drug cartels. And every one of them should be indicted for poisoning their customers with deadly chemicals. Yet, under the label of science, this mass poisoning continues. Today, one in five American boys has been labeled ADHD, and they will be prescribed mind-altering medications. So the top-selling class of drugs in America, statin drugs, causes muscle-wasting disorders, liver failure, and sometimes death. And it is widely prescribed to nearly everyone who walks into a doctor's office and the medical scientists claim they want to drip it into the public water supplies just like fluoride. So we're kind of long past the time when doctors could claim ignorance without with all this and say, we didn't know these drugs were killing people, but that's not true because they do know. And the real science on customer death, why well, I keep saying customer, I'm sorry, the real science on patient death is irrefutable. Yet the doctors keep willfully, consciously prescribing the very chemicals that kill many of their customers. So when you see a doctor prescribing drugs to everybody, what you have to think is negligent homicide. I'm, I'm serious. Now, you probably didn't realize it, but nearly all the blueberries used in cereals and bagels and pancake mix and other foods are not really blueberries. They are actually chemical concoctions made with propylene glycol, artificial blue colors, and high fructose corn syrup, a.k.a. genetically modified crapola, laced with mercury. I mean, years ago, I, I talked about this, you know, called the blueberry deception. But anyway, the fake chemical blueberries, it turns out, are only the beginning of the story because nearly every processed food that you buy from the grocery store is made with a matrix 
of damaging chemicals that cause neurological disorders, kidney disease, liver disease, gallstones, diabetes, heart disease, and cancer. And all these chemicals are formulated through the so-called evidence-based science to be the perfect chemicals for creating lifeless food that just toxic enough to kill you slowly, but not so toxic that your death can be linked to any single ingredient. And the FDA, the Fraud and Drug Administration, has never even deemed these chemicals as safe. They simply grandfathered them all in, assuming they were safe, because the food manufacturer scientists told them that they were. So as a result, the food that you're eating now, all the processed food that you're eating now is laced with a dark symphony of deadly substances such as aspartame, MSG, chlorine-based sweeteners, sodium nitrite, which causes cancer, partially hydrogenated oils, homogenized fat, and sodium benzoate and other preservatives. So it's just a matter of time in eating processed foods before the shit hits the fan. Then Pepsi has been caught, believe this, using fetal cell tissues as part of its soda flavoring. The bread companies use human hair compounds harvested in China. The chicken McNuggets have been found to contain an anti-foaming chemical called dimethylpolysiloxane. All of this is called scientific and was engineered by scientists. And it's called food scientists. And that means using chemicals to create a dead, nutritionally depleted item that looks and tastes like food, but isn't actually food because it never decomposes. And even bacteria won't eat some of the items you buy at the grocery store. So the more we eat of this dead processed food, the more quickly we die, murdered by the food scientists who work for the mega corporations. I had a really interesting experience with a friend of mine who was an auto mechanic who unfortunately buys burgers from McDonald's. Well, I think I told you this story one day. He went out and he bought a cheeseburger, and he brought it home, and he pulled into his carport, and he put it on a table. He forgot it was there. He went in the house. His wife came outside. She cleaned up the garage, and she saw the bag. She had no idea what it was. She didn't look inside it, and she put it in a closet. About a month later, the guy is going into the closet to try to find a tool that he needed to fix a car, and he sees the McDonald's bag, and he opens it up, and he takes out the burger, and he unwraps it, and the thing was in the condition that it was in when it left McDonald's a month ago. (laughs) 
I tell you, man, you got to love it. Okay, now you have to understand that pesticide chemicals are usually derived from petroleum. And some of them are based on fluoride. And the pesticides, of course, are, are sprayed on crops to kill insects, right? But an overwhelming mountain of scientific research shows that pesticides remain intact on foods. And when they're consumed by humans, they cause, they cause devastating diseases like Alzheimer's and dementia, neurological disorders like Parkinson's, cell death, birth death, ADHD, and yet the scientist at the American Academy of Pediatrics says children should eat more pesticides. On top of that, the pesticides are killing the food pollinators like the honeybees and the birds. I mean, it never ends. So the scientists that work for the chemical companies are saying that the pesticides, through the evidence-based science, are perfectly safe for humans to consume in unlimited quantities. And they rely on the fact that pesticides kill people slowly to hide the true devastating health effects of their chemicals. So when a person is killed by a pesticide, they are said to have died from things like liver failure or natural causes, but the reality is their death was radically accelerated by the inadvertent consumption of enormous quantities of synthetical chemical pesticides herbicides, and fungicides, none of which are safe for long-term human consumption. <laughs> I mean, this is crazy. It's so crazy. Look, modern-day chemotherapy chemicals are derivatives of mustard gas chemical weapons that were used in World War One. So the Nazis got their hands on the technology. And through chemical pharmaceutical companies like Bayer, like the Rockefeller, and Bayer, who was the co-director, was convicted of crimes against humanity in the Nuremberg trials, they managed to create chemotherapy drugs, which are used today. So chemotherapy's number one side effect is cancer. Even if it shrinks one tumor, it causes permanent damage to the brain, the kidneys, and the liver while igniting thousands of other microtumors throughout the body. And the reason chemotherapy is used by cancer, the cancer industry is because it results in repeat business. So chemotherapy actually backfires and causes healthy cells to feed the growth of cancer tumors. So there's one group of scientists that accidentally exposed the total fraud of chemotherapy 
when they were trying to research its effectiveness on treating tumors, and they found that chemotherapy causes healthy cells to release a protein that fuels cancerous tumor growth, ensuring repeat cancer tumors and thus repeat business for the cancer clinics. Well, the cancer clinics didn't have to show any positive results from their treatments, right? Because if a patient dies from chemo, everyone says they died of cancer. If the patient lives, then they're seen as a cancer survivor. Afterwards, they have a 95% chance of the chemo causing new cancers, resulting in yet more revenue for the cancer centers. And no cancer center blames patient deaths on the poison being dripped into the patient's customer's veins. The oncologists are fully aware of this, and most of them refuse to undergo chemotherapy themselves, but they will gladly diagnose patients with cancer and sell them chemotherapy drugs at obscene markups pocketing the profits while poisoning their customers. So conventional cancer treatment centers are the closest thing to the Nazi chemical torture camps that exist in the world today. And the oncologists knowingly and willfully prey upon the ignorance of their patients in order to poison them or kill them while generating hundreds of thousands of dollars in profit for themselves. There is no scientific evidence whatsoever that says chemotherapy cures cancer. The idea that it shrinks tumors is also scientifically irrelevant given that the tumors contain cancer stem cells that grow back with a vengeance. So shrinking a tumor is not a sign of an effective treatment. And most cancer patient, patients could literally be cured of their disease by ending their exposure to the common carcinogens found in food, smoking, environmental chemicals, fluoride, processed foods, and greatly boosting their intake of vitamin D and probiotics and antioxidants and superfoods, and broccoli juice, and carrot juice, and beet juice, and garlic, and pomegranate, and olive, and omega-3s, and, and, and above all, sulfur. And they don't get it. They don't get it. It's one thing that was very interesting about sulfur was back in the 1930s, nobody was, you know, 1900s, up to 1930s, nobody was getting sick. And the Rockefellers, who were involved in the chemical and the pharmaceutical industry, came up with a brainstorm. They said, we're going to introduce petrochemical fertilizers under the guise of speeding up the planting of crops by taking away the time it took to shovel doo-doo on the crops because manure used to be the fertilizer, manure was rich in sulfur. That means everything that was grown 
from the manure's fertilizer contained sulfur, nobody got sick. So the Rockefellers introduced the petrochemical fertilizers, which, number one, boosted sales amazingly and killed the entire sulfur cycle worldwide. Okay, that's number one. So now people started getting sick, and they had to get prescription drugs. And since the Rockefellers were involved in pharmaceuticals, they had a win-win situation from both ends. Number one, they took the sulfur out of the soil and they made people sick. Number two, the doctors prescribed prescription drugs of which they were a part of. So for them, it was a win-win situation all the way down the line, um, capitalizing on health deterioration uh, because of what they did. But nobody cares. Why would anybody care? Now, plastics have long been heralded as a scientific breakthrough. And in many ways, plastics really are pretty amazing if you stop to think of it. I mean, they're great for cars, for prosthetics, for computers, for industrial use uses because they offer enormous advantages over other materials. But when it comes to health and food, the plastics are very, very devastatingly dangerous because many of them released by Fesphenol A, BPA, which is a powerful hormone disruptor that is responsible for feminizing males. Well, I guess, you know, Bruce Jenner could be a real good example of that. And spurring the growth of so-called man boobs and reducing sperm viability. God, Bruce Jenner must be one of their best customers. God almighty, how do you like that? So plastics are ubiquitous in the food supply. They're all over the place. And many consumers astonishingly microwave their foods in plastic. Well, what this does, number one, there's a lot of things that it does. First of all, microwaves change the molecular structure of the food so the body has no idea what it's eating. That's number one. Number two, it releases the plastic chemicals right into the food, destroying the nutritional value of the food, as well as telling the body, what are you eating? I have no idea. So while the plastics can be safely used to hold dry foods at room temperature or if they're carrying liquids or being used as containers to heat foods, they often leach BPA, bifesmanol A, and other chemicals right into the food. And the BPA has been found to alter brain function, not just body, bodily hormone expression. So the levels of BPA in your blood rise 1,200% after eating canned food. And this was reported by the Harvard School of Public Health. And the worst part of it all is that the BPA replacement chemicals, such as BPS, 
have been found to be 20 times more toxic than BPA. So if you are drinking out of plastic or eating foods out of plastic, you are harming yourself in the name of evidence-based science because the scientists who came up with all these plastics and insisted they were harmless are only into it for the money. So in the world of plastics, the safest plastic compound for holding liquids in food are the high-density polyethylene and the PPs, the polypropylene. The polyethylene, the PE, is found in the so-called PET containers, which is the polyethylene terephthalate, which, according to most sources, does not leach any chemicals whatsoever into the food or beverage. <coughs> Excuse me. This is where we're at. This is what's going on with us, you know. And uh, there's a couple of more I want to point out. The non-organic cosmetics and personal care products that are loaded with scientifically formulated chemical ingredients that cause cancer, liver damage, kidney damage, neurological disorders, skin diseases, and on and on and on. So a typical skin lotion or cosmetic base is made with a sickening cocktail of incredibly toxic chemicals purchased in bulk from chemical factories. They're high in lead, and most cosmetic manufacturers actually hide their ingredients from the consumers in order to conceal the truth of what is in their overpriced products. The FDA, the Fraud and Drug Administration, for its part, openly allows cancer-causing chemicals and heavy metals to be used in cosmetics. I mean, after all, people who are harmed by cosmetics will become profitable customers for the cancer industry, right? So what's the harm? So the cosmetics and the personal care products are routinely formulated with dangerous and sometimes deadly chemicals like parabens, triclosan, ethoxylates, diethylalamine, and phthalates. And a typical perfume fragrance product contain over 20 causing chemicals. Can you believe that? And even the, the name brands like Avon are the worst of the worst. And you have to remember that all these cancer-causing chemicals are added to cosmetics and personal care products through the application of evidence-based science. And the problem, as usual, is that the evidence is selective and distorted in order to serve the profit interests of the corporations. And the scientists who do all this are on the payroll of the very corporations whose products are killing people for profit. So the EWG, the Environmental Working Group, has a really good online database of cosmetic ingredients 
where you can search for more than 81,000 products for possible worrisome ingredients. And these are good guys. So no problem. So if you want to, if you want to um, go and see if what's in your stuff is any good, go to the Environmental Working Group. Well, we've been talking about all kinds of stuff, you know. And the last, I say the best for last because there's some stuff that I want to add on to it. In the name of science, our world has built a network of deadly, unstable nuclear power plants that literally threaten the very future of human civilization. And as the Fukushima accident showed, all these scientists who think that they're so smart are actually incredibly myopic and that they couldn't even foresee an earthquake causing a tidal wave that would impact a nuclear facility built on the shorelines. So keep in mind that Japan is part of the most seismically active region on the planet, meaning that you'd have to be a complete idiot not to realize that offshore earthquakes could happen there, yet those nuclear scientists that signed off on the project, almost certainly because they all financially benefited from its construction and maintenance, and billions of dollars were spent to billions, were spent to build it, and millions more in an attempt to rescue it. So not being satisfied with placing only the population of Japan in grave danger, the nuclear scientists have also designed and supported the construction of nuclear power plants all across the world. And today, there are almost 500 nuclear power plants operating in 30 countries, and every single one of them is instantly vulnerable to a solar flare event that would knock out the power grid and isolate those power plants from the grid. Now, why is that a problem? Why? Because most nuclear power plants rely on grid power to run their own coolant circulation pumps, without which they would go into fuel rod meltdowns. Hello, Chernobyl. Okay? So while the power plants have backup generators, all these generators are built with super sensitive circuit boards that could all be fired by either a solar flare or even a high altitude EMP attack. And EMP is electromagnetic pulse from a rogue nation, say like North Korea. Now I'm not aware of any nuclear facilities that have EMP-shielded backup generators to run the pumps, but maybe they exist, but I doubt it. So you say, well, what would be the problem? I'll get to that in a minute. Well, I'll get to it right now. If you have, let's say, a nuclear bomb or something go up, up in the atmosphere, what happens is the fallout electrifies electromagnets, right? 
electrifies the pulses in all the power lines. And all those power lines go into your home. And guess where you would be when all that radiation hits? Sitting in your bed, watching TV, having a bowl of cereal or a bagel or whatever, and dying right there or or being diseased for life. So the result of all that would be this cascade of nuclear meltdowns that would unleash a radiation apocalypse capable of killing near, nearly all human life on the planet. <clears throat> so this network of civilization destroying nuclear facilities has been supported by evidence-based science, of course. Never mind the fact there's no evidence of the long-term safety nor any evidence that they can withstand the EMP attacks or large-scale solar weather events. As with GMOs, vaccines, and everything else, the scientists are wildly guessing and hoping that nothing bad will happen. So they built the global nuclear power infrastructure on the false belief that nature is predictable and calm. In reality, nature is radically unpredictable and sometimes quite destructive, as we've all seen with earthquakes, hurricanes, meteor strikes, tornadoes, and more. So in the name of evidence-based science, we've all been placed in a nuclear death trap that could be unexpectedly set off by a, um, a space weather event, like a solar flare, a meteor striking the planet. But the fact that nuclear power plants have not been designed to automatically and passively pull the fuel rods and, and, and cool them with nothing more than gravity and thermodynamics is unbelievable. Of all the idiotic things the scientists have done in our world, GMOs, vaccines, chemotherapy, and on and on and on, the construction of ready-to-blow nuclear power plants is the most insane. Chernobyl and Fukushima have taught us not only that things can happen and will go wrong, that's Murphy's Law, but that when they do, governments will lie about what's happening, even if it means exposing more innocent civilians to deadly doses of radiation. So the cover-up is the important thing, not saving the people. Yet, the nuclear industry operates as if Murphy's Law doesn't exist. Murphy was delusional. That's what they say, because nothing ever goes wrong. That's why nuclear plants only need a few hours' worth of backup batteries and a few days' worth of diesel fuel for the generator. Hey, that's it. Beyond that incredibly short-sighted preparedness plant, it's a total meltdown, followed by a nuclear holocaust. How is that for scientific achievement? So it blows my mind that today's political climate is so focused on talk of gun control to try to prevent a few dozen deaths of children, 
Yet there is absolutely no talk of how nuclear industry has put all of our children at the risk of death by operating with extreme arrogance under the scientific label. So if you're afraid of assault rifles and what that might do to a child, you need to look more closely at the nuclear power and what that does to everyone. Hey, rifles can only be used to kill a small number of people in a relatively small space for a very limited amount of time, like a few minutes. Nuclear power plants can kill a massive number of people in all directions with deadly effects lasting for thousands of years. Yet the political deadbeats in Washington have no interest in discussing the threat of a nuclear holocaust and why we should all save the children from such an event unfolding. Ultimately, I believe nuclear power is a greater threat to humanity than GMOs, vaccines, fluorides, pharmaceuticals, and all the other things that I mentioned. All it takes is one unexpected solar event and humanity is screwed. And such events, by the way, occur with startling regularity every century or so, meaning that everything you're hearing will be tested sooner than you might suppose. So you wonder that even NASA is warning the world that a massive space storm could unleash huge devastation across our planet while crippling the power grid. And as the, the newspaper, the Telegraph, reports, in a new warning, NASA said the superstorm would hit like a bolt of lightning and could cause catastrophic consequences for the world's health, emergency services, and nat- national security unless precautions are taken. Scientists believe it could damage everything from emergency services science systems, hospital equipment, banking system, and air traffic control devices through to everyday items such as home computers, iPods, and satnavs. Due to humans' heavy reliance on electronic devices, which are sensitive to magnetic energy, the storm could leave a multi-billion pound damage bill and potentially devastating problems for governments. And all this is based on um, evidence-based science by the scientists. Last but not least, last but not least, while a case could be made for clean vaccines that are manufactured without mercury, aluminum, MSG, and formaldehyde, No such clean vaccines are offered to the public. And all the vaccines offered at the pharmacies, at the health clinics, and the hospitals contain brain-damaging medicals and chemicals by design. The CDC, the Centers for Deceit Control and Procrastination, has openly admitted that vaccines are intentionally formulated with dangerous metals and chemicals. And every scientist knows that mercury is toxic to the neurology of mammals, and they know the same is true for formaldehyde, 
yet they all conspired to lie to the public and contain, and claim that the vaccines have no side effects, knowing full well that vaccines contain metals and chemicals that directly damage the human nervous system. In this way, all modern-day vaccine pushers are guilty of knowingly poisoning and sometimes killing infants, children, and senior citizens. Over 145,000 children have been murdered by vaccines over the past 20 years. Babies that receive the most vaccines are also the most likely to be hospitalized or die. When pregnant women are injected with flu shots, that results in a 4,250% increase in fetal death. And when you encounter a doctor or a nurse or a pharmacist recommending a vaccine and telling you it's perfectly safe with no side effects, think to yourself, this is a lying child killer. And remember, vaccines are pushed in the name of evidence-based science. It's all scientific, that's what they say, to inject your child with mercury and watch as they experience convulsions, coma, or death. Yet, there is actually no science whatsoever demonstrating that vaccines improve some children. The vaccine pushers are terrified of comparing vaccinated children against non-vaccinated children because they know that non-vaccinated children are far healthier. So the studies are never done and the vaccine myths are pushed via propaganda instead of real evidence. And the parents that are arrested and prosecuted for shaken baby syndrome are actually victims of vaccine-damaged children. So convulsions and seizures have become so common in the minutes and hours after vaccinations that the medical community had to create a cover story which claims that convulsions are normal and nothing to worry about. Well, there's a P.S. There is a P.S. And I got about 10 minutes left. And I want to give you this P.S. about vaccines. And you can think about it. You can do whatever you think you want to do. But California is going to be the origin of America's first wave of medical police state refugees fleeing medical tyranny if Governor Jerry Brown signs Senate Bill 277 into law. Senate Bill 277 is California's pharmaceutically funded vaccine assault on all parents and children. It would eliminate all personal belief exemptions and force nearly all the children in California to be forcibly injected with vaccines that are knowingly manufactured with neurotoxic substances like mercury, aluminum, formaldehyde, and MSG. If he signs the law, 
Governor Brown will be declaring medical genocide against children whose genetic makeup causes them to have extremely heightened risks of vaccine injury. No child will be safe in California, and the state will cement its position as the first real-life medical police state in America where risks of a medical civil war will skyrocket. Dozens of people have said that live in California that they are making preparations to get out of California if Senate Bill 277 is signed into law because mandatory vaccines at gunpoint are the last straw. And all those state senators voting for the bill received campaign donations from the drug companies, and basically they sold out the people to the corporate interests with giving them nothing left to do but leave. So other parents are looking at pulling their little schools, which they run indoctrination centers, and homeschooling them instead. But this effort has enormous economic consequences for a family, so not all parents can structure their child's education around homeschooling. So California has historically been home to parents who sought a green living, natural lifestyle that was relatively free from toxic chemicals. But if Senate Bill 277 is signed into law, the California government was forced potentially deadly chemicals onto all the children across the strait, across the state, betraying the core principles of medical choice, medical ethics, and compassion for children. So green living, in other words, would be replaced by medical tyranny. And if the state decides it can force one medical intervention on parents and their interventions it wants to force upon the population. Remember, a state that doesn't respect a woman's choice about medical interventions is a medical police state. And the vaccines probably cause brain damage and death in many children. And just pay out $90 million in financial compensation to families of children who were brain damaged by the swine flu vaccine. And similarly, the secretive U.S. Vaccine Injury Compensation Program has paid out nearly $3 billion in compensation for children who were provably harmed or killed by vaccine injury side effects in the U.S. And then the CDC scientist, Dr. William Thompson, went public in 2014 with proof that the CDC committed scientific fraud to cover up the vaccines and the autism in the African-American children. And the entire lamestream media blackballed the story in a massive 
coordinated conspiracy to silence the truth and promote the financial interests of their corporate sponsors. And it has since been learned that the CDC is not a branch of the federal government, but a private corporation operating in total violation of U.S. law. So there's many intelligent observers now believing that the CDC is the key architect behind a nationwide push for an epidemic-driven medical police state. You see, epidemics are the perfect Orwellian goes away. And as long as the CDC can fake the hysteria surrounding epidemics, it's claimed that the flu kills 35,000 people a year is pure fiction. It can control the country. A false disease hysteria goes all the way back to the discovery of AIDS, after which the CDC went berserk, claiming that even straight married men were going to be overrun by the epidemic. So Congress responded with billions of dollars of new funding, and the CDC learned an important lesson. The more hysteria you can create around infectious disease, the more powerful it becomes. Then you got the contrived Disneyland measles outbreak. For example, how the CDC master, mastermind and mass hysteria to push a medical police state agenda. So in reality, the measles outbreak was extremely small and no one died. Yet the CDC used the hysteria to push for mandatory vaccines that will kill, maim, or injure thousands of little kids in California alone, and that treatment is worse than the disease. But the hysteria and the fear-mongering are necessary to maintain total dictatorial control in the medical police. So what we have here today in this country is a government-run pseudoscience enforced at gunpoint. And alongside the government gunpoint enforcement, you have total censorship of all scientific questions about vaccines, total media censorship, or discussion about vaccine injury, and really what can only be called runaway vaccine injury denialism among the entire medical establishment whose harmful actions against little kids really do parallel the Nazi Holocaust in terms of its pharmaceutical origins and abandonment of medical ethics. This is what we're faced with. This is what we see. This is what we have to live with. <clears throat> People only relying on income, on caring about your health. You want to be healthy? That's on you. Not on the government, not on any politician, not on any medical plan, only on you. If you don't eat right, if you don't eliminate anything that had a face or a mother, if you don't eliminate the eggs, if you don't eliminate the, the dairy products that just leaves you with liquid fat, if you don't give up the processed food, if you don't give it up, it's not you. Your health is not you. The only thing that the only thing 
that can help restore your health is a change of diet and our alpha, which was taken away from Rockefellers. That's it in a nutshell. It's anyway. I've been rambling. that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. An important message from Donald Trump and Americans for Limited Government. While I'm a Republican, right now some in the Republican Party are working overtime to hand more power to President Obama. These same people are turning their backs on the American workers and businesses. It's unbelievable. I learned a long time ago, a bad deal is far worse than no deal at all. And the Obama Trans-Pacific Partnership and Fast Track are a bad, bad deal. For American businesses, for workers, for taxpayers, it's a huge set of handouts for a few insiders that don't even care about our great, great America. Congress has to stand up and defeat this raw power grab. With the dismal Obama track record, why should a Republican Congress give him more power and gut the Constitution to do it? It's just crazy. Tell your congressman and senator, vote no on Fast Track. Take action at Obamatrade.com. Obamatrade.com. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for one of four. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Johnny was a schoolboy. 
from there, it didn't take him long. Got himself a guitar, used to play every night. Now he's in a rock and roll outfit, and everything's alright. Don't you know?
welcome to New World Order Info, and I'm Melissa Roxanne. You're listening to me on TheAmericanVoice.com. You can also go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and check out all the different ways to listen to AVR. And you can go to the chat room. I'm not in there yet, but I will be hopefully shortly. And you can check out the news page. Actually, there's a lot of news feeds if you scroll down our main website. So you can see lots of, you know, current events in the news there. And, you know, there's different ones from the leftists and everything. So you can see the kind of things they're, you know, claiming, the lies they're claiming and everything. And, um, you know, just a whole bunch of assorted stuff there. And um, you can go to the Superstore as well and see the different products that we have available, such as the Organic Sulfur, which is wonderful for health and the immune system and many, many things. And you can hear more about that on the Sulfur Hour, which is on Thursday nights from 6 to 8 p.m. It's actually a two-hour show, which is why it's called the Sulfur Hour Plus One, because that's the second hour, the plus one part. It started out as a one-hour show, so, you know, it was just called the Sulfur Hour, but then it expanded to a two-hour show, and so that's where the, the whole plus one comes in. I've noticed that you know, people don't really understand why <laughs> it says plus one. I've heard them say in the chat room, so so I figured I'd clarify that. And so um, I'm going to get started talking. Let's see here. Okay, I'm going to start out with some information from DrYourself.com, and then I don't know what else I'll get into. We'll see as time goes, but... This is just one of my favorite websites, you know, for alternative health information, and it's it's just got a lot of great jam-packed info in there. So you can find that by going to Dr. D O C T O R Y O U R S E L F dot com. So Dr. Yourself dot com. And that's uh, Dr. Andrew W. Saul, S-A-U-L-P-H-D, and it's it's a free online library, and there's tons of different healing articles, natural healing articles, and and scientific references as well, you know. So there's uh, natural alternatives to so many different things, and it could just be that it's labeled as a disease, but really it could just be a nutrient deficiency. So you'll find all kind of different things, you know, like that and topics about different things, including vitamin C and and pioneers in vitamin C and their words and things they've written on this website. You know, you'll see these different things. So... Um, just all kind of different subjects about health. So that's a good site to bookmark, definitely, and to check out and to, you know, spend a lot of time on. So this is from one of Dr. Saul's newsletters. And um, 
So here's here we're going to start out on multiple sclerosis natural alternatives. And this is Dr. Andrew Saul writing here. Clinical reports by qualified physicians treating multiple sclerosis with vitamins should never be dismissed out of hand. If one has been discouraged from looking into studies of successful nutrition-based multiple sclerosis therapy, one has been sadly misled. Persons seriously concerned need to take a personal look at the research. Two articles on nutritional therapy for multiple sclerosis are posted at DrYourself.com. So you might want to do a site search. Don't search Google, but search the site itself. There's two different, you know, buttons on there. You have to choose either search Google or search the site DrYourself.com. So click with your cursor onto searching the site at DrYourself.com. And then type in multiple sclerosis or maybe even MS. I think MS would probably work, you know, for the abbreviation there. And then you'll find the two articles on nutritional therapy for that, Dr. Evers' Nutritional Therapy. And then there's another one on there as well, Dr. Klinner's Vitamin Protocol. So Dr. Frederick Klinner, he, he um, you know, was a big vitamin C pioneer and used it on all of his patients, you know, before they even told, gave him a history or anything, before their history was taken, before, you know, he was, uh, before the nurse actually talked to the patients about what was wrong with them. He just automatically gave them vitamin C because it worked so well. So anyway, Dr. Klinner's vitamin protocol, which I've read, um, for nutritional therapy for multiple sclerosis. Those are both posted on DrYourself.com and you can just do a site search for those. Uh, type in MS or look up how to spell multiple sclerosis. It's not that hard. You know, you type in just the way you think it's spelled and if it, it comes out wrong, Google will correct it for you. Um, or probably any search engine. Okay, so both of these physicians, Dr. Evers, his nutritional therapy for multiple sclerosis is posted there. And then there's another link to Dr. Klinner's vitamin protocol for multiple sclerosis. So both of these physicians were MDs, medical doctors, and had considerable success arresting multiple sclerosis and at times reversing it. That is hard to believe, but is certainly interesting. Many people with MS, multiple sclerosis, are already working on their diet and may be taking some vitamins. This is an excellent start, but Frederick Klinner, MD, used unusually large quantities of nutrients, especially thiamine. Thiamine deficiency in animals results in degeneration of the myelin coating of nerve fibers. This is anatomically indistinguishable from multiple sclerosis. So, you know, it tells you right there that thiamine deficiency results in degeneration of the myelin coating of the nerve fibers and that's exactly what happens in multiple sclerosis. So.
All right. Now, moving on, got calcium. I think it is especially interesting that most Chinese folks eat virtually no dairy products and have an average daily calcium consumption of only about 500 or 600 milligrams, which is about what the average American consumes. Yet there is far less osteoporosis in China. Is this because the Chinese are perhaps more physically active than we, yet many more of them smoke? Is it because they do not grossly overeat protein as we do, because they drink less coffee? Maybe it is because their calcium comes from vegetable sources. We should consider the possibility that vegetable calcium is as important, if not actually superior, to dairy calcium. Consider the cow. Half a ton of calcium comes from vegetable sources. We should consider the possibility that veggie calcium is as important, like I said, uh, if not actually superior to dairy calcium. So the cow, a half ton animal with massive bone structure, gives quarts of milk a day gives birth to calves weighing as much as 100 pounds and eats only grains and grasses. The largest, biggest boned, most muscular animals on earth, which includes rhinoceros, elephants, hippos, and cows, are all vegetarians, and they do not get osteoporosis. So that should tell you something right there. As a former dairyman, I think that is an argument for grain and vegetable calcium, Dr. Andrew W. Saul says here. Eliminating sources of calcium loss is just as important as your calcium intake. Coffee, alcohol, alcoholic beverages, smoking, and excess protein consumption all are probably quite significant factors in keeping you from losing out on the calcium you need. For most casually munching Americans, to drop dairy means one has to get very serious about vegetarian diet. To the majority of us, calcium supplementation is essential, and this goes double for the ladies. So if you want to read more about calcium deficiency, you can go to DrYourself.com and type in calcium or calcium deficiency and do a site search on that site and you'll find a lot more about it. And then you can also look for osteoporosis. Use that and search the site as well. Readers say arthritis thought. Kathy writes, quote, I was told by a doctor four years ago that I had rheumatoid arthritis, RA. I went for seven months not knowing from day to day if I would be able to walk, move my arms, hands, or legs. At one point, I could not even walk to the bathroom without help. The doctor wanted to put me on drug therapy. Yeah, right, therapy? I don't think so. More like drug poisoning. He said since I was still young, 45, I would have less chance of being crippled later in life if I took the drugs now. And I had two people in both my mom's side of the family, my mom, um, you know, her her relative, her grandparent, 
and my dad's family, my cousin, who was older than me, but they were both in wheelchairs from rheumatoid arthritis for their lives. So he says, uh, the reader says here, Kathy, I told him that I believe God gave us the ability to heal ourselves. We just had to find the way. So I started looking. I landed on juice fasting and cleaning out the colon. It has been three years and I've had no rheumatoid arthritis, RA for short, symptoms at all. I am back to doing all the things I did before RA came along. I try to juice at least three times a week and I do seasonal three to five day juice baths. I just thought I would share this with you that it might help someone else. She says seasonal three to five day fast, so I don't know if she means juice fast or just regular fast fast. But um anyway, I know a lot of people do those juice fast. Um so that's something that, you know, could be looked into. And so he says, Way to go, Kathy. Alright. Now Okay, it says, this was written, I guess, around Valentine's Day at the time, and it says, uh, Dr. Yourself Salute to Valentine's Day, which is a pagan holiday, of course. Those little candy hearts with I love you and be mine on them have a special super secret. They make great children's paints. I like to try this with kids. Have them collect their candy hearts, especially the purple ones, grind them up, combine equal parts Water and powdered candy and stir. Get out a model-sized paintbrush and white paper and have the children write their names in food paint. It works all too well. Then ask the kids what it does to their stomachs. Listen carefully to their answers and insights. But there's more. When I taught junior high, I wondered where the girls' rather weird colored hairdos came from. The girls fessed up. They dyed their hair with Kool-Aid, which I've definitely heard of, you know, of pretty well known, not that I've ever done it or would. So he says, not a new idea, it turns out. In the Wizard of Oz movie, the animals used as the horse of a different color were colored from fetlock to mane with a mixture of jello powder. In summation, I concede that artificial colors are great for dyeing horses' hair and painting pictures. I don't agree about dyeing horses' hair. I think that's very bad to dye the coats or the fur or the hair of animals. I mean, they're doing it to poodles and all kinds of animals and dogs and cats I've seen. It's terrible. I saw this green cat, I forget where it was, in Russia or somewhere, that they they guessed somebody had died because it was like a, you know, you could see the color of its coat it looked like a tabby cat but it was a green tabby cat it was so sad so it was a stray cat and they ended up being able to you know bathe the cat after a while that somebody caught it and they bathed it and they got a lot of the green out but it still didn't come all the way out of the fur and that cannot be good for the animal and it's just a terrible thing you know to do that to a poor animal and so I hate it when I see stuff like that, people dying, you know, with all kind of things, their animals. Anyway, we'll be right back, so don't go anywhere.
shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for one four. $49.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family.
Welcome back to New World Order Info. I'm Melissa Roxanne, and it's my live show on Monday, May 18th, 2015. You're listening to me on TheAmericanVoice.com. You can also go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and check out all the different ways to listen to AVR, and you can see the globe and see where we have listeners all over the world, so... We're happy to have you all, and thank you for listening and for telling others about us and for supporting AVR and our shows and hosts and all that, and Frank and I and our animals in so many different ways, and thank you for your prayers for us, and uh, definitely am praying for y'all, and uh, so I'm going to get back into this newsletter for a little bit and then probably move on to some other things. So this is um, from DrYourself.com, as I said, one of my favorite health websites. And it's a website by Dr. Andrew W. Saul, S-A-U-L. And he's a big vitamin C proponent and vitamin proponent, and he's very knowledgeable. And so he was talking about, you know, when it was the pagan holiday, Valentine's Day before the break, you know, and I was reading to you something that he said. He was saying how, um, you know, the artificial colors and the Valentine's hearts and things like that, those little candy hearts that have I love you and all that stuff written on them, um, you know, and grinding it up and mixing it with water and using it as food paint, you know, and it works really well. He did it with kids, you know, his, and um, so he said, you know, ask them what it does to their stomachs and uh, listen carefully to their answers because obviously he's against that type of thing, you know, artificial colorings and flavorings and all that. So then he says, in, in summation, I concede that artificial colors are great for dyeing horses' hair, which I totally disagree with, and painting pictures. But I am not convinced that we should voluntarily eat paint. So read every label and vote with your dollars. Then send the only message that carries any weight in the food industry. Do not purchase any food that contains an artificial food color. And that's what Dr. Saul had to say about that. And so he also goes on to say that his recommended website of the month, and this was, you know, a while back, was doorway.com, and that's D as in David, O as in orange, R as in raisin, W-A-Y, doorway.com. It's like a door without one of the O's, you know. So doorway.com. And if you look on there for the symptoms page, you know, it'll have all kinds of information about all the symptoms people have, reactions to aspartame, you know, bad reactions, adverse reactions to aspartame. And he says, if if by chance you are still an aspartame, the same thing as NutraSweet user, or know someone who is, you may be interested in viewing the aspartame symptoms list. It is very interesting and very lengthy. So obviously he's against it, so am I. As well as 
you know, Splenda, which is also known as sucralose, and there's other names for these, you know, so you have to look those up because they try to hide it on the ingredients labels, I've noticed. Um, instead of coming out and saying Splenda's in it, for example, it won't be on the front of the container. You'll have to look in the ingredient list many, many times. This is the case. And, for instance, in regular, and I've told you this before, I'm hoping that you've, you know, heard me for years talk about this, but in case you haven't, or as a reminder, when you go buy certain different things, okay, such as Shasta soft drinks, Shasta soft drinks. If you're a drinker of those, you may be, without your knowledge, if you didn't listen, you know, to me say this or you didn't hear me or something, um, you know, you may think you're drinking the high fructose corn syrup, which is bad enough. In the regular Shasta drinks, you know, the kind that are not the diet drinks, they're just the regular Shasta soft drinks. But not only are you drinking the high fructose corn syrup, and if it's the cola, the caramel, you know, coloring, which is known to cause cancer. And then the high fructose corn syrup could have mercury in it because many things that have high fructose corn syrup were tested, food and beverages, foods and beverages were, and about a third of those tested positive for mercury. And it's a way that they make the corn syrup, they process it, the high fructose corn syrup, and it causes it to have mercury in it. So... Not only could you be ingesting mercury, even if it didn't contain mercury, the high fructose corn syrup is very addictive and it's very bad for the health of all of us. So, you know, even if there's no mercury in it and they process it in a certain way that there's none in it, okay, you're still exposing yourself to the, the high fructose corn syrup and that to me is really bad for you and then it's genetically modified corn there's no doubt in my mind because for one thing they're cheap you know they make them and sell them really cheap usually they're not making them organic so they're obviously using genetically modified corn and almost all of the corn nowadays is genetically modified so unless you're buying organic corn you can pretty much bet on it Anything made from corn, like corn syrup or high fructose corn syrup or, you know, corn starch or any kind of corn product, period, is going to be genetically modified unless it is organic, you know, certified organic, etc. So, you know, that's one point. But then all the other bad things in the soft drinks, you know, the phosphoric acid is bad and... Um, the artificial flavorings, which could be aspartame, if it says artificial flavoring, many times that could mean it, it has aspartame in it. Um, and then the artificial colorings, and there's brominated vegetable oil, which is in many different soft drinks, sodas, etc. Pop, some people call it, I think, up north. So, uh, so you know... That is, that's something else that brominated vegetable oil, you can look that up. It's called BVO for short, brominated vegetable oil. And it's in different things that are like red or orange many times, but they are not always red or orange. So it could be in a lot of different drinks. Um, so you should look it up. And then if you see that on the label, you might want to avoid. I mean, I would say avoid it. It's in Dr. Pepper, for instance. But it's in a lot of the orange sodas and, you know, red sodas like uh, Code Red Mountain Dew, I believe, has it in there. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's in there. 
So different things like that. So they're really bad. And then they're probably full of fluoride. There's so many different reasons, you know, to try to kick the soda habit. And uh, But anyway, getting back to the Shasta kind, you may think that you're drinking, you know, you're not drinking the diet. So, hey, you're at least you're not getting the aspartame or the Splenda that's in all those diet drinks. But if you look at the Shasta ingredient list, like I did one day, I just happened to look at it, and it says sucralose right there in the ingredient list. And that's the kind that has the high fructose corn syrup in it. It's not the diet kind. It's just the regular Shasta, all the Shasta colas and Shasta soft drinks, Shasta pop, whatever you want to call it. So all of them, as far as I know, still and for years now, have had sucralose listed in the ingredient list on the back or wherever it is on the label. It's not going to tell you on the front. Oh, by the way, you know, you think you're getting the regular kind with the high fructose corn syrup in it, so there's not going to be any artificial sweeteners like aspartame or Splenda, but guess what? For no reason except for I think they're trying to poison us and... You know, who knows why. It's probably a bioweapon, I believe. They're putting aspartame and Splenda and things like this in the same drinks that they're putting high fructose corn syrup in. So it's not even a diet drink, and they're sneaking it in there, just like they do in the chewing gum. If you, if you notice in the chewing gum and much of the bubble gum, they're putting things like aspartame or Splenda in those. So you might look for, you know, look up, what are all the different names for aspartame? What are all the different names for Splenda? You know, might maybe type in different names aspartame, different names Splenda, things like that. And then you can write those down and then go and look up ingredient lists for everything you eat and drink. And then you'll, you'll see when it's indicated on the ingredient list. So I was shocked when I saw sucralose, you know, on the label to the regular, you know, soda, soft drink, whatever you want to call it. It was in on the ingredient list, but they didn't tell you on the front of the label like they do sometimes. They'll say, you know, Splenda. They'll brag about it, and they'll have those little, their little Splenda logo or something. You know, and then they have all those commercials. Splenda tastes like sugar because it's made from sugar, you know, which is a bunch of total lies, total hooey. Um, it's just terrible. And aspartame is made from the feces of genetically modified, I think it's E. coli bacteria. You can look it up. Um, and I've talked about it on the air before. So you might want to type in aspartame feces bacteria. Okay, there's a patent that describes this exact thing, what they make it from. And it's, it's hard to believe that this is this is what it's made from, but I do believe it. So... They're putting Splenda in these soft drinks, you know, and they're regular high fructose soft drinks. They're not the diet ones, and they're sneaking it in there on the label by talk, calling it sucralose. Most people don't even know what sucralose is, but it's just another name for Splenda. So not only are you getting, you know, the terrible reactions or the terrible things, you know, health uh you know, bad things for your health from all these bad things in the soda, like the high fructose corn syrup, which could have mercury in it, which is probably made from genetically modified corn. And then there's the phosphoric acid, which is not good for us. There's the fluoride probably that's in there, depending on, you know, the water that was made 
that was used to make it at the bottling plant or whatever. But chances are it has fluoride in it. Much of the beer, much of the soda, much of the alcohol and different things are made with that. And, you know, they're not organic. They're, they're made from genetically modified ingredients most of the time, you know, that have the corn syrup, the high fructose corn syrup, or maybe, you know, whatever it is could be made from wheat or hops or whatever it is. I'm not saying that they're all genetically modified, but much of the wheat is nowadays. So a lot of different things, you know, unless it says organic, a lot of the alcohol is being made from organically modified, you know, genetically, I'm sorry, genetically modified, I meant to say, ingredients. So, but they're also sneaking in things. And, and things like soft drinks, you know, not even diet ones, but just regular soft drinks. They're sneaking that Splenda in or the aspartame in. And like I say, a lot of times when it says, and other natural flavors or just natural flavors, I've noticed that so many labels will say, you know, 100% juice, and then it'll say, and other natural flavors. Well, then how can it be 100% juice if there's an added something else in there? It's not 100% juice. You know, in Tropicana, for instance, there's lawsuits over that very thing. They claim it to be 100% orange juice, but it's not. And they use these flavor packets and things like that that are artificial because they want all of the orange juice, wherever they get it from, to taste the same from carton to carton, year to year, day to day, that you drink their products. So... They're artificially flavoring it, and they're putting all this artificial gunk in there, and then they're telling you it's 100% orange juice, you know, squeezed from from oranges, and they, they show the commercials, you know, on different brands, you know, and they'll have somebody stick their arm into an orange grove, and then they'll hand them the carton of the orange juice, things like that. But they're using all these terrible artificial flavors, and then they're lying to the public and telling you that it's 100% orange juice when it's not. So you can look up orange juice lawsuits for one thing, but there's so many different, you know, beverages and different things that'll say 100% whatever, trying to act like it's so healthy, and then come to find out it has all kind of other things, and they're like aspartame and artificial flavorings, artificial this and artificial that. So anyway, sodas are bad, but just beware. You might think you're not drinking the artificial flavoring or the same with chewing gum and bubble gum, but most of the time, you know, I wouldn't, I just wouldn't chew gum if it were me and I don't bubble gum or chewing gum because I don't think it's good, especially if you have mercury fillings. If you have amalgam fillings in your teeth, you know, the more you chew, every time you chew, you're releasing mercury gas and, and mercury into your body. So, you know, you're exposing yourself to it the more you chew. So if you're just chewing for no reason, just for your enjoyment, like for chewing chewing gum or bubble gum or something like that, you know, you're exposing yourself to mercury if you have those. And the same with kids, you know, if they have them or whoever has them. So um, I know there's a video on YouTube. You might want to type in mercury um, teeth or something like that and you'll probably get to it and it shows the mercury vapors coming off you know from the fillings in somebody's mouth and you can totally see them so you know it's good to chew your food I'm not going to say it's not good it's really good you know and from everything I've ever researched you know the more you chew your food pretty much the better but you know when you have mercury fillings the more you chew you know 
So it's, it's good to get, get that out of your body, to get that out of your teeth, and to see the right kind of biological dentist that knows what he's doing. And he won't harm you even more when he's removing those mercury fillings, those mercury amalgams from your teeth. So, you know, make sure you get a good one and you thoroughly check them out and talk to other people that have had the same thing done. You know, their patients, they should be able to refer you to them and, you know, um... So that's something that can be very bad for your health to have those, um, you know, root canals are another thing very bad for your health that can cause all kind of health problems and, and can kill you, you know. And the mercury in the mouth, the mercury in the fillings is another bad thing. But like I say, make sure that if you do choose to go the route of having them removed, which would probably be a good thing as long as you do it right, the, you know, the person doing it does it right, so you have to thoroughly research all that and find a good biological dentist that knows how dangerous the mercury is and, and takes all the proper precautions for himself or herself and you as the patient. But anyway, so yeah, chewing your food is really good and helps you to digest it, you know, easier and and it's just a much better thing to do. But I wouldn't be chewing on chewing gum or bubble gum or, you know, things like that if I had those mercury amalgams in my teeth. So, um, And then there's the factor where they put the aspartame in Splenda, you know, or sucralose, as it's known, the Splenda is also called, in the chewing gum and bubble gum. So it's hard to find any that doesn't have that. That's another reason not to chew it, in my opinion. So um, I just thought I'd tell you that. But you can check out doorway.com, D-O-R-W-A-Y, Dot com, and that's going to tell you so much about aspartame and NutraSweet, which is what aspartame, you know, is the brand name for aspartame. So you can see the symptom list of all the different adverse health events and reactions that aspartame has caused and others, and it's a long, long list. So you can check that out. And Splenda, I think, is, you know, at least just as bad, if not, you know, they're both terrible. Aspartame and Splenda. And according to Dr. Jennifer Daniels, medical doctor who now practices out of the United States because, you know, she tries to help people and heal them and all that. And, you know, she can't do that in the United States. But um, I think she has great information. And she said that the stevia is not good for you unless it's just the powdered stevia, like the leaf stevia, for instance, or maybe not even powdered, but it's just made from the leaf of the stevia plant. That's the only kind that's actually okay to use, and all the other kinds are bad for our health. You know, the processed kinds, the liquid kinds. Um, Truvia is another one that they claim is made from stevia that's a bad one. So a lot of people think stevia is okay, but... It only really is the best way to, I think, to, to you know, if you're going to use stevia, it would probably be to just grow the plant yourself and get some organic stevia, like the plant, and then grow it yourself. And then, you know, you could use those leaves or dry the leaves, you know, and use them. But you can also buy it, which probably wouldn't be as healthy as doing it yourself uh, the right way and growing it the right way without chemical fertilizers and all that. Um, or pesticides that are bad, chemical pesticides. Um, but, 
Yeah, so you can just use the kind from the made from the leaves of the stevia plant. But according to Dr. Daniels, the other kinds are not good for our health. So it's a big, you know, myth that stevia is good in all these different ways. So I would stay away from it, except for in the leaf type of stevia that you can get, you know, in the stores and the health food stores and things like that. Or just grow it yourself. Make sure it's organic and you do it the right way. Um, and you can, you know, look for that online about how to do all that. Okay, so now back to the newsletter from Dr. Andrew Saul. He has a book review here, How to Live Longer and Feel Better by Linus Pauling, which I have, that book, and it came out in 1986. And he says, after bringing high-dose vitamin C therapy for cold and flu to the public, and to much of the medical profession around 1970, Dr. Pauling has had to spend quite a bit of time defending the vitamin from under-informed critics. And Dr. Pauling has passed on now, but he says in this recent work, Pauling presents his most thorough case yet for much larger than RDA doses of all the vitamins. He answers his critics with facts obtained from impeccable research, respected medical journals, and reputable scientific texts. Pauling, Pauling has a rare gift for making the complex understandable, and his talent shows most clearly in this book, distilling 30 pages of references into logical, common-sense advice. He covers vitamins and cancer, heart disease, aging, infectious diseases, vitamin safety, toxicity, and side effects, medicines, doctor's attitudes, nutrition history, vitamin biochemistry, and more. With that, he still finds time to clearly summarize as he goes and to include some personal thoughts on attaining world peace. This is perhaps the strongest presentation ever written on the need for supplemental vitamins. If you read only but one book this millennium, may I suggest Pauling's How to Live Longer and Feel Better, 322 pages. And we'll be right back with another hour. Don't go anywhere.
prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. An important message from Donald Trump and Americans for Limited Government. While I'm a Republican, right now some in the Republican Party are working overtime to hand more power to President Obama. These same people are turning their backs on the American workers and businesses. It's unbelievable. I learned a long time ago, a bad deal is far worse than no deal at all. And the Obama Trans-Pacific Partnership and Fast Track are a bad, bad deal. For American businesses, for workers, for taxpayers, it's a huge set of handouts for a few insiders that don't even care about our great, great America. Congress has to stand up and defeat this raw power grab. With the dismal Obama track record, why should a Republican Congress give him more power and gut the Constitution to do it? It's just crazy. Tell your congressman and senator, vote no on Fast Track. Take action at Obamatrade.com. Obamatrade.com. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Buzz 
show tonight on Monday, May 18th, 2015, and you're listening to me on TheAmericanVoice.com. You can also go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and check out all the different ways to listen there and join us in the chat room and, you know, check out our superstore and different things available there and ways you can help support AVR by purchasing those and supporting, you know, the people you hear on AVR that do have products available there as well. Okay, so I'm going to move into a different subject now, um, fluoride. So this is going to be seven ways to avoid fluoride in beverages and food. And over the past 100 years, the levels of fluoride in foods purchased at the grocery store have increased. The reason for this increase is multifold and includes the mass fluoridation of water supplies in some countries, the introduction of fluoride-based pesticides, and the use of mechanical deboning processes in the meat industry. 
So how do you know which beverages and foods at the grocery store are most likely to contain elevated fluoride and which of these products are most important to avoid? To answer these questions, Fluoride Action Network has produced the following seven general rules. The more you remember these rules when you shop, the more you will reduce your fluoride intake. Okay, so general rule number one is the naturally occurring level of fluoride in food and water is very low. The naturally occurring levels of fluoride in fruits, vegetables, meat, grain, eggs, milk, and fresh water supplies are generally very low, less than 0.1 parts per million. There are only three exceptions to this rule that you need to know. Seafood, tea, and water from deep wells all have elevated fluoride levels in the absence of human activity. Thus, besides tea, seafood, and deep well water, which they're drilling in California all over the place, they're going extremely deep digging wells, you know, now, you don't have to worry about you know, adding to your fluoride intake. So, seafood, heat, tea, and water from deep wells is one way um, that is going to contain naturally occurring levels of fluoride. Okay? And then, um, well, and the tea is in the tea leaves, I know. And uh, so, you might not realize it, but yeah, in the tea leaves, and I don't, it's probably all the tea, I would think, you know. So, um, that's something to be aware of. A lot of people drink green tea, um, so you might want to check into, type in green tea and fluoride and see, you know, what the levels are and maybe they can even tell you, you know, give you a better idea. But, you know, black tea and orange pico tea, there's lots of different kinds of tea. And you can look for fluoride levels in those too. I'm sure that they definitely contain fluoride. Um, and then general rule number two, the more processed a food is, the more fluoride it will have. So the fluoride level in food generally increases during industrial food making processes. So that's one more reason to, you know, not buy things in boxes and cartons and cans and, you know, try to get fresh produce and grow it yourself, you know, in your own yard your own land and all that is the best way because you're going to get more nutrients that way, especially if you grow it yourself and do it the right way and you don't use the chemical fertilizers or the chemical pesticides and you, you know, use whatever it is to grow it organically that, you know, you decide to do and the proper, you know, supplementations to the soil and the composting and different, different things. Um, and, when you do use some kind of pesticide, you know, use one that won't hurt you or your loved ones or your animals or the environment. And so um, when it's an, it's a processed food, though, processed food, um, it's going to, you know, you're going to be more apt to be exposed to fluoride, you know, if you're going to eat the processed junk, you know, or drink the processed stuff. So... This is particularly true in countries with mass water fluoridation programs like the United States. So in the United States, you know, we're massively bombarded and forced 
drugged against our will for the most part. Some people are just ignorant and they think fluoride is good for them because they've been brainwashed to believe this by, you know, their doctors and dentists and society and the powers that be and the media and all these things. So, you know, they're the ones that will fight tooth and nail to keep the fluoride in the water. But um, so in the United States we do, we are for the most part, we do have fluoridated water. And uh, so it's common for food processors to use the public water supply to make their products, you know. And it could be coming from a wastewater treatment plant where, you know, they process the sewage water, basically, that comes from the toilet tanks. That could be what's made, they use to make that bottled beverage, whether it be an alcoholic beverage or a fruit juice-based beverage or whatever, you know, one with high fructose corn syrup made, you know, with soda or whatever it is. So, you know, they're, they're using the public water supply wherever the bottling plants are located usually to make their products. And if they have fluoride in that water, then it's going to be in the product that you're drinking or whatever you're eating. So when you buy a beverage or food, therefore, think of how much industrial processing would have been required to get the product in the shape it's in. The more processing, the more fluoride. Juice that is not made from concentrate will have less fluoride than juice that is made from concentrate. So when you get the juice in the can and then you mix it with water, you know, that's concentrated. Concentrated juice or concentrated beverage and then it's going to be more apt to contain fluoride than, um, you know, juice that is not made from concentrate. And juice that is not made from concentrate is normally going to be more expensive on the most for the most part than juice that's made, you know, from the kind that's in the cans or whatever that's from concentrate. Or just on the shelf, it'll be, you know, from concentrate, you know, and they'll already have the water mixed in it. Um, so you're more apt to be exposed to fluoride if you're drinking the juice from concentrate than you will if you drink the kind that's not from concentrate. And then a roast chicken breast will have less fluoride than a chicken nugget, et cetera, et cetera, because it's more processed, you know. So, you know, if it's just a chicken breast that's been roasted, that's pretty much less processed than one that's made into a chicken nugget that may not even have white meat in it, for all you know. It could be made from beaks and feathers and who knows what they put in there. Um, Anti-foaming agents have been found in these and MSG and all kind of things. So, um, you know, there's no telling what's in those nuggets and things like that. I wouldn't eat them. I mean, I quit eating those a long time ago, and I think they're not good for you, you know, because you really have no idea what's in there. Um, and the roast chicken breast, I actually read, um, I didn't actually read the whole thing, but I read that one in four, you know, chickens, like when you go to the store and you buy chicken meat, one in four of those is contaminated, I believe it said with uh, salmonella, I'm pretty sure. And, you know, there's things you can do to bulletproof your immune system, at least that's what I, you know, believe is a good way to go. And also, if, if ever one is exposed to 
you know, food poisoning. Um, most people are going to go to the emergency room if something like that happens or they get food poisoning or they'll go to the doctor at the very least. Um, but I know there's other ways, you know, I'm not saying for you, but for me, that I've dealt with it in the past when it happened to me. But I didn't know then what I know now, so I know things that I would do to try to avoid to get it. And then if, if ever I did possibly get it, you know, what I would do. You know, and I would stay away from the doctors and the hospital emergency room and all that because I don't believe in those. And I'd just be subjecting myself to more problems and more chance of dying, basically. Um, but anyway, yeah, one in four chickens contaminated with salmonella, I read. So that's pretty scary. Um, so, like I say, a roast chicken breast is going to have... You know, probably you're going to be less chance to have fluoride in that than a chicken nugget that's highly processed, etc. So the more processed the food is, the more fluoride it will generally have. And also, general rule number three, we get more fluoride from liquids than solid foods. So if you have to choose between limiting your fluoride intake from beverages or limiting it from foods, you should definitely focus on limiting it from beverages. And this is because we get far more fluoride from liquid than from food. So if you have to choose between buying grape juice and raisins that are both contaminated with fluoride pesticide, buy the raisins and skip the juice. You know, you could try to get organic raisins too. But, uh, or just eat some good, you know, organic grapes instead. So, um... General rule number four, flavored beverages equals fluoridated water. If you live in a country with widespread water fluoridation, most flavored beverages that you buy, like soda or pop, some call it sports drinks, you know, Gatorade and things like that, juice drinks and beer, most of those have between five and ten times more fluoride which is 0.5 to 1 parts per million than bottled water. So they have between 5 and 10 times more fluoride than bottled water, the, the soda, the sports drinks like Gatorade and others, the juice drinks, and the beer are going to have more, you know, a lot more fluoride, between 5 and 10 times more than bottled water and other sources of fresh water. Although some bottled water has been found to contain fluoride, too, you know. Some of it's just tap water, and they lie to you and tell you that it's from some spring or something, but it's really just tap water, you know, so it's going to contain fluoride. So you have to be careful on the bottled water, too. And also how you filter the water to make sure you're getting the fluoride out of it. If you are filtering it yourself or you're buying it, you know, using a filtering method and, you know, you're going to the store and putting the plastic jug under whatever it is, you make sure that they are taking the fluoride out of the water. So one way to cut down on your exposure to these sources is to buy juice instead of juice drinks. And remember, don't buy juice that is made from concentrate. So buy the kind not made from concentrate. But even better would be to juice it yourself at home if you can afford to do so, you know, because I know it is expensive. So the more things are in season and things like that, you know, and maybe you can find 
local farmers and that have groves growing whatever it is you want to juice, you know, if it's some kind of uh, citrus beverage or something you want to make, you know. Um, I know in Florida where I lived, I used to go pick oranges and actually uh, my favorite kind that my family grew and still does in South Georgia um, Satsuma oranges, also known as mandarin oranges, and they're the kinds in the store that are called clementines, or I think they're called halos sometimes, and they have other names too. Um, those are mandarin oranges, and they're also known as satsumas, and my family calls them satsumas, but anyway, since before I was born, my uncle was growing a lot of those on his property. He, he was a farmer, and he died of cancer, by the way. And he had kidney problems and was on dialysis, and I think it's to do with the pesticide issue, you know, because they used a lot of pesticides, and he was exposed to so many of those. But anyway, he did uh, grow satsumas and had a lot of orange trees, and he would have to heat them, you know, use a heater and all that in the wintertime because they're not normally grown in South Georgia, you know. It gets a lot colder there. But anyway... Yeah, so the, that's my favorite. It's like a tangerine. Um, you know, it, it's just like a tangerine. So I don't even usually bother with regular oranges, like navel oranges and all the other kinds. I just love the mandarins, also known as satsumas, because they're so easy to eat. They're so full of juice. They're great for juicing. I've juiced them, you know, at home. And just great to eat. They're easy to eat and all that. And then the, the white pith. You know, the white strings and things like that, that's very good, you know, um, bioflavonoids, and it's anti-cancer. So instead of peeling that off and throwing it away, I definitely eat it, you know, all the white strings and things like that on those oranges. But they're great to juice at home. So to me, you know, juicing it at home is going to be the best way to go um, versus, you know, buying some processed beverage because they're pasteurized for one thing they have to be by law for you to buy them in the store so pasteurized beverages are not going to be you're not going to get any health benefits compared to juicing it at home you know I mean, there's so few nutrition and nutrients in there compared to juicing at home because it's heated it's pasteurized it's processed so much so that all those vitamins you know um, you're not really getting, you're not getting hardly any, and you could be exposed to fluoride, too, and all that, so, and genetically modified ingredients a lot of the time and other things. I've actually bought orange juice years ago, long before I moved here one time, and without knowing it, there was Splenda in it, and as soon as I took a sip, I could tell even though it wasn't indicated on the label, and I read the ingredients list, and it was it was on the ingredients list. So you have to be careful about that. You never know. So I could tell, though, from the taste that it had artificial sweetener. So I poured it out. You know, I never drank it. Um, so, you know, uh, I think juicing at home is the way to go and learning how to do that in the proper way and, you know, I've talked about it many times on the air. And there's good books you can buy by Dr. Norman Walker. He's got a great book about juicing. So you might want to look into that. I highly recommend his book, Dr. Norman Walker. 
and it's fresh vegetable and fruit juices. Um, think what's missing from your body or something like that is the name of it. So that's a great one. And so general rule number five, organic food has significantly less fluoride. Organic food has less fluoride than non-organic food because pro, um, fluoride pesticides are not permitted to be used. So your daily fluoride exposure will be reduced if you eat more organic fruits, vegetables, grains, and legumes. So you're not going to be exposed to the fluoride um, nearly as much if you go the organic route, you know, certified organic and all that. So try to go that route and... Uh, you know, maybe you can find local farmers growing things that are doing it the organic way and the proper way, and or you can maybe go join a co-op or, you know, a lot of times they have these shares that you can buy, and I've found that seems to be really expensive, you know. You might go to the farmer's market or you might join in with, like, your neighbors. If you, for some reason, aren't growing it yourself on your own property or you don't, you think you don't have enough land or something, or maybe you're in an apartment or a condo or something like that. There's always ways, though, to grow it, you know, like hanging baskets and pots, you know, um, raised beds, things like that, that you can do on your patio or your balcony even, um, or in a window in, inside, you know. You can grow different things if it, it gets enough sun and things like that. So you can look into all those different ways, to even to grow some herbs or something would be good. But anyway, those are some sources to try to get organic. And you can go in with others and buy different things, you know, if it is seeming expensive. Okay, we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere.
right. Welcome back to New World Order Info. I'm Melissa Roxanne, and you're listening to me on TheAmericanVoice.com. You can also go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and check out all the different ways to listen. And thank you to the micro-broadcasters out there for putting AVR out on your local stations. Really appreciate that. I don't know what happened with the break, but uh, the ads didn't get played. They kind of played a second or two, and then it went right to the second song. So I don't know what's going on, but there was something, a little glitch there, I think. Uh, Okay, so I'm talking about fluoride. I'm telling you different ways to... You know, try to minimize your exposure to fluoride, and there's a whole lot of information that I have here um, to give you, but I'll probably continue with it on, you know, my shows, but, um, so, I told you organic food, you know, they ha- it has significantly less fluoride, and also the naturally occurring level of fluoride in food and water is very low. Um, there's three exceptions to that rule, seafood, tea, and water from deep wells. They have elevated fluoride levels. So, besides tea, seafood, and deep well water, um, you know, the naturally occurring levels of fluoride in fruits, vegetables, meat, grain, eggs, milk, and fresh water supplies is generally very low, which would be considered less than 0.1 parts per million. That's considered, you know, low, very low. So, you know, you would want to try to find whatever it is that you are going to eat. You know, stay away from the processed foods and all that, but it's it's best to try to go less than 0.1 parts per million on anything you ingest, eat, drink, or put in or on your body, your loved ones, your animals' bodies, etc., because, you know, that's best to stay away from fluoride and to limit your exposure and theirs to fluoride. So, also the most the more processed the food is, the more fluoride it will have. So the difference between a roast chicken breast and a chicken nugget, things like that, um, you're probably going to be exposed to more fluoride in the chicken nugget than you would in the roast chicken breast. So keep that in mind. The more processed a food is the more likely you're going to get exposed to more fluoride. And then reconstituted juice, like orange juice or whatever type of juice, is generally going to have more fluoride in it than the kind that is made, you know, not from concentrate. So, and it could be that if you get something already, you know, ready to drink, like in a, whatever, a glass or plastic bottle at the store or container, it'll say, you know, made from processed or um, actually it'll say made from concentrate, you know, something like that. Or it'll say the juice concentrate in the parentheses or something made from concentrate. Those are the kind that are going to have usually more fluoride. And and it may already be mixed with water when you drink it, you know, and that water could also have fluoride in it So when it was bottled. So that's uh, at least two different ways to get exposed to the fluoride. But anyway from the concentrate itself and then from the water they use to mix it with. Um, And then we get more fluoride from liquids than solid foods. So, you know, you can kind of focus more on limiting it from beverages, the fluoride, you know, intake, um, because we get a lot more fluoride from liquid than from food. So if you have to choose between buying, 
you know, grape juice and raisins that are both contaminated with fluoride pesticide by the raisins and skip the juice. Um, or get organic grapes, you know, and they won't, they're not allowed to contaminate it with fluoride then. And then flavored beverages is um, going to be fluoridated water. If you live in a country with widespread water fluoridation, most fl flavored beverages that you buy, like soda, sports drinks, juice drinks, and beer, have between five and ten times more fluoride than bottled water and other sources of fresh water, which should contain, like, fresh water point. Uh, one parts per million or less than 0.1 parts per million, part per million. So, um, bottled water and other sources of fresh water, you know, that you're drinking, you should definitely look for the ones that contain less than 0.1 parts per million, preferably zero, you know, if you can find it. And then one way to cut down on your exposure to these sources is to buy juice instead of juice drinks. And don't buy juice made from concentrate. And juice it yourself at home and use organic you know, fruits and veggies and things like that would be the, the best way to go. And juice it yourself and drink it immediately. You know, you're going to get the most nutrients that way. And if you take all the pulp out, you know, you strain it so that you remove the pulp, you're going to get the most nutrients that way. And, and well, your body's going to be able to use the nutrients you do get without having to go through a long hours, long digestion, digestive process if you leave the pulp in the freshly juiced drink that you're juicing at home. So it's best to remove the pulp, you know, give it to maybe your animals. Make sure it's okay to give it to them. Check with your doctor, your veterinarian, or, you know, whoever you need to check with to make sure. Um, and it would be a veterinarian, of course, for animals. But And look it up yourself, you know and make sure that they can have whatever it is you're juicing because you don't want to give them something that's bad. I know grapes, from what I've read, can be very deadly for dogs, for instance. So you wouldn't want to juice grapes and then give them the the pulp or any part of a grape. You know, don't ever give them any grapes or anything like that. But um, that's something. You know, juice it at home yourself and use organic, and that way... You're not going to be exposed to fluoride. You're not supposed to be. You know, they're not allowed to use it when it's organic. So, And organic food has significantly less fluoride. Organic food has less fluoride than non-organic because fluoride pesticides are not permitted to be used. So, you know, even if it does have some, it's going to have less than the non-organic kind because, the you know, they're, they use rat poison, you know, made from fluoride, you know, and a tent houses for termites. It's made from fluoride, and it has killed people that have been exposed to it. You know, like a homeless man I read about went into, he he entered somebody's house illegally, you know, breaking and, breaking and entering, whatever. And he, he went into their house looking, thinking that he'd have a safe place to be, I guess, I don't know, to sleep or something. Or maybe he was up to no good and going to rob him. I don't know what the deal was. But he went in there and he died because the house was being tented for termites. And they were using um, the pesticide, you know, for that purpose was made from fluoride. So that right there shows you how deadly fluoride can be and is, you know, if you're exposed to too much of it. So, and when you're getting exposed and hit, you know, with 
fluoride from all these different ways that you're not even thinking about, you know, all these beverages and it could be in the tea that you're drinking, you know, it could be in the seafood that you're eating. Um, and then it could be in the well water, if it's a deep well that you're getting the water from or wherever you're buying it from comes from some deep well. Um, so many different ways. And then all of the pots and pans that are coated with those nonstick coatings, that's another way to expose yourself, your loved ones, animals, etc., to fluoride because the fumes alone from that are very, very bad. Not to mention cooking in it and getting it in your food that way. Your food's being totally contaminated with the fluoride. The same thing if you use an oven that has a non-stick coating like those self-cleaning ovens. Most people do have nowadays self-cleaning ovens and that is fluoride on the inside to make it non-stick, you know, to make it self-cleaning. And the same thing happens with little toaster ovens that have the non-stick coating on the inside or the countertop ovens that are bigger that you can set on your countertop and use instead of your great big huge oven. You know, you have to beware because you might go to the store and buy one of those and you're not sure. You need to look on the inside of it, you know, with a light would be better and look on the label, like look on the actual carton, the box that it comes in. And if it says nonstick coating or easy to clean nonstick coating or you know, something like that, chances are it has been sprayed with fluoride with the same thing they put on those nonstick pots and pans. It's hard to even get nowadays things that don't have the fluoride coating on them, you know, unless you're getting stainless steel, 1810 stainless steel um, pots and different things like that, or, you know, you're using the cast iron pots or using ceramic or glass. And I would you know, recommend ceramic and glass to to use would be probably the safest. And, uh, um, you know, I've read bad things about stainless steel even, but I still do use stainless steel pots and things like that. Um, but I think ceramic and glass is probably the safest. I don't know about the kind of ceramic that this new kind is supposed to kind of take the place of the the DuPont Silverstone and things like that that have the spray-on coatings that that are fluoride because I've actually bought, actually purchased some of those ceramic, you know, pots and I just, I don't trust them because at least the one that I bought when I used it, it was brand new and I just used one um, and it had the 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 coating on it, the ceramic coating, but the first time I used it, it like came off of the the pot, and that means that it can get into the food and you know be in your body, so that and it had a, a bad smell to it, you know when I heated it up, so the more you heat these fluoride coatings the the more dangerous and deadly they are and toxic they are. And uh, that happens, you know, quite often because you don't think about it. You know, people are using those fluoride-coated pots and pans, and they're not aware that it's even bad, you know. But you can look it up, you know, go online and look it up, type in, you know, um, fluoride or DuPont, Silverstone, Teflon, things like that. 
um, dangers and things like that. And you'll see, you know, of course, they'll have naysayers and liars and people that are ignorant and people that have maybe invested in those corporations that sell those things, you know, that are going to lie to you and say, oh, it's there's nothing wrong with it. It's fine. It's good for you. You know, it's not going to hurt you. But it is. It's made from fluoride, and it's really, really bad. And if you do have birds in your home, you know, like you have a pet parakeet or whatever kind of bird it is, um, they've been known to be killed from people using anything in their home, such as like an iron with a nonstick coating. That's fluoride. And when it heats up, the fumes from it can kill the birds, you know. The same thing if you use most, well, like all those uh those coated pots and pans that have the fluoride, or a waffle maker, for instance, they have the the Teflon or the fluoride coating, the nonstick. They have them. I mean, unless you're getting one that's very old, a waffle maker from way back when, before they even developed that and started using it. You know, you might have one, an antique waffle maker. We do have a very old one, at least, that doesn't have the fluoride coating, but most of them do. And uh, the... George Foreman grills and all those panini makers, you know, to to put your your bread or your sandwiches in or whatever you're making, you can put in there, but realize that it's coated with that fluoride, so it's very, very, that you know, it's not good for you because you're being exposed to fluoride, and it can get in your food. It can flake off and get in your food, too. So that's, those are other ways to be exposed, and I've told you about the the wrinkle-free pants, you know, like Dockers and different brands that have the wrinkle-free on the little tag, it'll say, to try to convince you to get that kind so you won't have to iron them and things like that. Well, they put a fluoride coating on them, so you're, you know, right against your skin, you're being exposed to the fluoride. It's very bad. And the same thing with the carpet, the Stainmaster carpet and the, I'm trying to think of the word, but I forget what it is now, but um, there, then there was the kind they spray on the upholstered furniture, the couches and the chairs and the recliners and things like that. You know, they um, spray that coating, and you can even buy it yourself in a can, but that's fluoride you're spraying on there or that they have already treated the furniture with when you buy it. So you want to stay away from those. And, you know, be aware that if you're buying used furniture, a lot of it's going to have that bad fluoride coating on it. So, you know, unless you're getting a really old piece maybe, and, you know, then you have to you have to know somebody else didn't take a can of that junk and spray it on there. So you never really know. So it's it's scary. But those are just some of the ways. And then there's the toothpaste, you know, and then all these things I've told you on today's tonight's show, you know, about ways you're exposed to fluoride. So there's so many different ways. And then there's the drugs, you know. There's so many drugs out there that are made from fluoride. And, you know, that these uh, SSRIs, these selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, these deadly toxic drugs, many of those are made from fluoride. Anti-anxiety meds and, you know, anti-depressants uh, and a whole lot of different things. 
Prozac and Zoloft and all these type of things are made from fluoride. Um, and then there's Boniva and different things they give, especially to women, but to those that they claim they want to try to help avoid having brittle bones and osteoporosis, or maybe they've given you a bone density test and they claim that, oh, you need to take this pill. It will help you to avoid osteoporosis and avoid having your bones be brittle if you fall and you won't break your hip. You're not going to be as apt to do that if you take these pills. But those pills are doing the exact thing they tell you they're trying to protect you from because they're made from fluoride and they make your bones brittle and they make your your bones more apt to break. So the more you're exposed to fluoride, the more you know, you're causing your bones to be brittle. And the more you're causing your teeth to be unhealthy and your whole body and your mind, you know, to be affected, it's it's just deadly and bad and toxic. And it can kill you if you're exposed to too much of it. And it can kill a horse and horses, and it has. I've read about horses being exposed to too much fluoride and it killing them. So even a large animal like a horse, you know, I'm sure an elephant could be killed if it was exposed to too much fluoride. So whatever it is, imagine a little baby compared to a horse that's died from being exposed to fluoride. And look how little babies are, you know, and people are feeding them formulas that have, you know, made with fluoride water and formulas that contain fluoride and all kinds of foods and beverages that contain fluoride. And then, you know, giving them toothpaste, you know, when they're small children or our little babies and brushing their teeth with a fluoridated toothpaste, it's just terrible. You know, and then getting fluoride treatments, those sealants that they put on the kids' teeth, and there's something like 12, uh, I think it's something like 12,800 parts per million or something like that, around there, 12,000 plus parts per million on those sealants for the teeth that can, you know, are fluoride sealants. And they say that's supposed to protect their teeth, but no, you know, the the less fluoride you're exposed to, the better. So point one, less than point one would be the best way, and, and zero, of course, is the very best way. Parts per million of fluoride is what to try to you know strive for, and everything you eat, drink, and just put it into or onto your bodies and your loved ones and your animals. However, those those fluoride sealants that they're putting on the kids' teeth is twelve thousand plus parts per million. You know. So just imagine how bad that is for their bodies, you know, and their bones and their teeth and their minds, their brains and their organs and just every part of their being. It's terrible for them. And they're lied to. I believe it's a bioweapon, you know, and, you know, it's a poison and something very bad for us. And the powers that be know this, you know, so they're going to recommend, tell the dentist to recommend that you get this for your children. And then the things the dentist use to clean your teeth are full of fluoride, you know, and whatever it is that they're using when you see them is going to contain fluoride. Um, unless you're going to a dentist that is aware of these things and he bucks the system and goes against it. And, you know, he's a dentist that knows, no, fluoride is not good. And they're few and far between. So, you know, I would be looking for that kind of dentist uh, versus going to the, the other kind. So there's so many different ways that you're being exposed to fluoride and you may not even be aware of it. And so, you know, the processed meat, that's going to be full of more fluoride, too. And so grape beverages is 
that equals fluoride pesticide due to heavy use of fluoride pesticides on vineyards in the United States. Beverages that are made from conventionally grown U.S. grapes instead of the organic kind are the main way people are exposed to fluoride pesticides. The best way to reduce your exposure to fluoride pesticides, therefore, is to avoid consumption of non-organic U.S. grape juice and wine, particularly white grape juices and wines. So wines are bad if, unless they're organic, you know, and they're full of sulfites and they're probably full of fluoride, you know. And the the fluoride pesticides are used on the, on the grapes that they're used to make the wine. And the white grape juices particularly are going to, um, have more of the fluoride. So after eliminating this exposure source, focus next on reducing your consumption of non-organic U.S. raisins. So, you know, try to get organic if you're going to eat it. Don't eat regular conventionally grown raisins from the United States for sure because it's going to subject you to more fluoride. And then dried beans is another um, thing that you know, unless they're organic, you're going to be most likely exposed to, you know, fluoride. Pinto beans, dried fruit, walnuts, and tree nuts, those are things, unless they're organically grown, and especially when they're coming from the United States, because we use, you know, most of the places in the U.S. are fluoridating their water, so those things are all going to be full of fluoride. So you want to reduce your consumption of non-organic, conventionally grown U.S. raisins, dried beans, pinto beans, dried fruit, walnuts, and tree nuts, and go organic. And for nuts, you know, go raw and organic. Raw, non-processed, unprocessed, and organic would be the way to go, unsalted and all those things. And, you know, for the, everything else, get organic, you know. And uh, so then the processed meats is more fluoride. The more industrial processing that a meat product has had, the more likely it will contain elevated fluoride. This is because the meat industry uses a mechanical deboning process that contaminates the meat with higher levels of fluoride-laden bone particles. This is particularly true with chicken meats. A chicken nugget will thus contain more fluoride than a roast chicken, and a slice of sandwich chicken meat will contain more fluoride than a slice from a roasted chicken because it's it's more processed, you know. So it's going to be containing more fluoride normally. So that's something else to be aware of. And I'll try to maybe on the next show give you some fluoride content of different beers and things like that so you can be aware you know um, and you can look this up yourself because that's something good to know so it's in beer and it's in all kind of things and in alcoholic beverages and all that so um, I have a list here and it tells you you know by the brand and all that and it, it tells you how much uh, fluoride is contained in there the fluoride content in parts per million so I'll try to Go over that some on my next show and some other information about fluoride and all kind of other health information as well. 
So, if it's Monday night, it's my live show, and it's about time to end it tonight. So, coming up next is the owner of American Voice Radio Network, Frank Stephan, and he will be on next for two hours live. So, be sure and stick around for that if it is Monday night. And if it's Friday night, stick around for Survival Time, which is another wonderful show about survival and how to be prepared and you know, protect yourself and your loved ones and self-defense and all these different things, Every everything about survival. So that's another great show that follows my show on Fridays. And so stick around for that, either Monday night or Friday night. You know, fantastic stuff. And whatever time you're listening to my show, we've got great stuff coming up, so don't go anywhere. Thank you for listening, and have a wonderful night. And I will probably see you Wednesday with Frank. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.